This week in league, Sam Burgess proves that the biggest cock in the Burgess family doesn't reside in George's pants. Khalifa Fifi Lower looks forward to continuing his streak of not playing first grade footy under Neil Henry. Canberra table a $1 million per season deal for Anthony Milford, citing the Bulldogs' willingness to pay 650 grand for Tony Williams. And we line up to take our medicine with our annual review of our pre-season predictions. All that and more this week in league. Welcome to episode 143 of This Week in League. I'm Nate. And I'm Glenn. Okay, um, feedback this week. We are going to indulge ourselves in a bit of, uh, bit of, bit of back padding, really. Um, I don't mind indulging myself. <laughs> in what? Patting Sonny Bill on the back. <laughs> Slash ass. That's a metaphor, right? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. If you're going to pat, you're going to, to, to pat Sonny Bill on the back if you replace patting with sucking and back with penis. <laughs> now, um, you got me all wrong, mate. I was just a fan of the bloke. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, in, in that way, in that fan way of like, you know, women women that go up and, and knock on the door of the dressing room after a rock concert. That kind of fan. <laughs> okay, so Twitter, we had the, obviously the live episode last weekend. Once again, thank you. I mean, now in the, in the cold light of day, Without alcohol in my system, we swore so, a lot. Did we? I didn't. I didn't listen to it again. Really? I was just like fucking. That was the moment. That was it. I edited. I mean, obviously listened to to parts of it when I was editing it. I was. But, um, I sort of uh, listened to it on the way home from a bit a bit on the way home from work and a little bit more on the way up here just to to get. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Let's say that. And uh, it was um, it was a night to remember. And it was a lot of firsts. Um, the chat room was a, a big hit, and uh, I certainly had a lot of um, a lot of fun doing it. But uh, when you listen to it back, yeah, wow, we <laughs> swear a lot normally. It was loose. Like our our normal shows are filled <laughs> to the point of overflowing with profanity, and uh, that left it for dead. I'd almost be inclined to the next time we do a live one where drinking's involved to um, literally have like scheduled drinks, you know, like, okay, drink, get a sponsor on board. Yeah. And be like, all right, drink. Like, this is okay, crack in the you know, next drink. So the chat room, so everyone who's, who's involved is getting um, drunk as well. I like it. There you go. Not that we encourage uh, drinking irresponsibly, but. Uh, we weren't irresponsible. Know. We had like seven drinks each. Not irresponsible. No, we didn't, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't quite seven, was it? I can't remember. Well, you had, you had you had four four bourbons, and I had six beers. But then you had the, that bourbon. The bourbon was a um, a four pack, but the beers were six packs. So you had you would have ended up having three of those four cruises. Yeah. No. So seven, because I had I had the one, but um, I only had two cruises. I'm sure. No, because like we had one each at the start. When we were kicking it off, we had one each. Then I switched to the beers, and then you switched oh, to it's the all bourbons. Just a haze, a glorious haze. <laughs> yes. Anyway, the point is, we swore a lot. Well, Fuck yeah! I, I didn't realise anything about that until I saw a tweet from. Um, I think I, I probably got it here from Mickey T, and and he said something like, you know, ten ten swear words in the first minute or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and, yeah, something like that. Like, yeah, it, was, it was like you cut and pasted, fucking. 
in between every second word you spoke. Fantastic. That usually does happen when alcohol's involved. Sensational. But uh, just some of the comments from the, the kind people involved. Um, R-Popsh. The funniest thing out of tonight. r the funniest thing out of tonight, you two spooners thinking cruises weren't twist tops. <laughs> LOL gold. <laughs> Which that was hilarious. I remember that point where I was just like leaning over. I was like, hang on a minute. I can see threads on the... <laughs> so I was staring at it like someone had asked me to donate a kidney. And um, I probably would have donated a kidney rather than try and work out how to get the lid off a cruiser at that stage of the night. But uh, anyway. Yeah, there you go. Um, then we had... Um, Oh, from Arnie M, MAA 1952. Oh, I cringed. I could, she said, I just listened to the two of you. Hilarious. Well done. And that was right after we finished. Yeah. Like, right, like we were still, you were still here as well. Like, I, mean, I, I, I stuck around well, for Well, I, I stayed the night. I yeah, yeah but, I, but I, I came back downstairs for about an hour and just started just tidying. Like, Did tidy. you really? Yeah. Just, Fuck, just, I was out like a light. Yeah, I was just like tidying, <laughs> tidying the files up and everything and sort of getting getting a head start on the editing while I was still like motivated. I woke up in the morning, I saw that you'd sent me a message. Yeah, what was that? I can't remember. What was that about, about merchandise sales? That you oh, yeah, You right. haven't actually sent me those. No, I haven't. Those. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Whoops. apologies to people that uh, took the initiative and, and ordered merchandise during the live show. Yeah, fantastic. Um, but Arnie M, back to, back to Arnie M. Yeah, cringe. I always feel so bad because like, she's, she's, she's just said she's listened to it and I was like, oh. They call her Arnie M for, a re- for no reason. Like She's like everyone's auntie. Uh, yeah, especially for especially for um, manly supporters. And I don't know. I don't know about you. You might, but I don't. Really drop a lot of f bombs around my auntie. No, no, I try not to. But Definitely no c bombs. But, but when you don't realise that she's listening to a live show and, yeah. you're, and you're off on your merry way drunk, yeah, it can be problematic. I just remember um, <laughs> going to see uh, my auntie, and uh, we generally catch up. Um, she lives in Singleton, and uh, she often comes up and stays at a friend's place in Mwollombar once or twice a year and we always go down and catch up with her and I was wearing a This Week in League hat oh no and she's she said oh what's your what's your hat I said oh it's, it's my podcast she goes oh it's a podcast I said funny that's the same question I asked when Nathan Gearless Esquire said uh, do you want to do a podcast <laughs> what the fuck's a podcast and um Anyway, she she was quite interested. I said, "Oh, it's very good. I might have to have a listen." I'm, I said, "Under no circumstances should you ever listen to it. Please do not, because <laughs> I'm I'm a bit of a favourite of of hers." And um, were yeah, if she ever listened, I said, "Look, the language is appalling. I've got to admit." And when you say, but when you say like, "Don't listen to it," that that actually doubles the. You know, she might have yeah. just gone into the sunset and forgot about it. I suspect Everything she said. probably did. But. but when you say don't listen to it, then she's like, oh, okay. And it just starts burning its way in there. Yeah. Like, I got it. Yeah. Do you know, the? I mean, if my old man had still been alive when we started doing the show. Yeah. I would have, it would have taken a while, probably two seasons. Yeah. To show him how to download it or yeah. get it. But fuck, he would critique it. And, oh, mate. Yeah, you know, you're a bit harsh on this, or I could just imagine him. But and fuck, he would not listen. Enough really... Trev, not enough Trevor Cogger. Needs <laughs> <laughs> more Cogger. He, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you one thing. He would have listened religiously every week. Yeah. No fucking doubt in the world. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my old man doesn't. Sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my old man doesn't. But you know, 
Let's not get into father issues. So, <laughs> How are you not a stripper if you got daddy issues? <laughs> you don't know me. You, don't, you know I'm not. You don't. You don't know what I do from from Wednesday till till, till Monday. <laughs> right, uh, fad- Wouldn't that be sorry? Yeah. Could you imagine if I'm out, you know, having a, have a few sherbets, and um, you know, sometimes I'm not women. saying I'm not saying often. But I will say a lot of times when I'm out. You wind up at a gay bar? No, that's not where I was going with this. Oh, is that where I'd bump into you? That's a stripper. No, I was just saying, you just seemed like you were just you were about to say something incriminating, but no. So just a strip club. Anyway, you end up at strip clubs, do you? Yeah. Just imagine the awkward moment. You're making it, making it rain. <laughs> not if you're up there on the pole, mate. You fucking break out the wall and make it rain, though. They can rain 50 cent pieces. <laughs> I'll do that on that up. <laughs> okay, Fabsy. So, Fabs underscore E. Another lovely, lovely girl. <laughs> Equally as awkward. E- she was part of a sausage fest. She was actually in the chat room for a lot, large portion of the thing. It was so much fun. I loved it. I'm not. Go- I'm going to pay for it today, though. Five hours sleep is not going to cut it. Thank God it's Friday. Um, Shana86 said, uh, this hash this week in LucasAid. <laughs> yeah, seriously, though, people like me losing their shit over back-to-back ads in the chat was funny. So, yeah, I mean, we did have a situation where for the people in the chat room, there seemed to be constant, like every 15 minutes, or it wouldn't be 15 minutes, it wouldn't be half an hour, it wouldn't be 15 minutes. No, it was, it, I was going to say it was more frequent than 15 minutes. Oh, okay, and there was like, an ad, it seemed to be repetitive ads, like, there was like wild, wild turkey and... No, no, no one hates on a wild turkey ad, come on, no, but, up. Yeah, but uh, I, did, I did look into it. Drink um, responsibly. It's, pretty expensive to run an ad-free live. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's like, it's, I think it's like 199 a month or something. Or maybe a year. I don't know. Yeah. 199 a year is yeah, not, not too bad. bad. If we're going to do a lot of them, then that's that's fine. Yeah. If it's a month, though. Fuck, fuck you, that. 200 bucks a month. <laughs> fuck that shit. <laughs> Charging motherfuckers for it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Unky D, aka uh, Guantanamo Hogan, said, Great ep last night. Live streaming worked really well. In other news, I bought 10 tins of LucasAid today. No idea why. <laughs> uh, blue underscore beaver. I woke up at 2 a.m. with my headphones still in, surrounded by soggy tissues. Twillies went off, and so did I. Oof. When was the last time you had LucasAid? Oh, like, and why are they trying to make a comeback via Ustream ads? Like- <laughs> last time I would have had LucasAid was when they were probably advertising it like you know it was like some it was like cyclists like Martin Vinicum or someone like Jesus. remember remember that Lucas aid now with added EPO and remember yeah and then he and he got done you know not that distant after that and so I remember that's at school that was you know we were joking about that sort of shit as well yeah and like doing takeoffs of the ad that's it but I've, I've never really been a, a, a drinker of it me either but anyway because that taste doesn't taste very nice I mean well there's probably a reason why you wouldn't drink it yeah it tastes nice Unless they wanted to sponsor the show, and I'll drink the fuck out of it. Oh, mate, I'll be chugging that Lucas <laughs> fucking gargle, I'll brush my teeth in it. Oh, my God. Use it as lube, fucking just sensational. Hang on, wait, what? <laughs> Paraman MK2. Gotta say, last night's live stream of the Twilly Awards was amazeballs. Thanks for a wonderful couple of hours of fun, guys. That's beautiful. I mean, if Cole's vintage using the word amazeballs, there's something wrong about that. It's a bit awkward. Bit, uh, bit, uh, yeah. Oh, you know, I was going to say, you know, pedo bear, but (laughs) (laughs) let's not go that far. Let's just say sexual, sexual harassment panda. Um, it's Mitchell 180. 
I'm still drunk from last week. I think you might be. <laughs> Listening to This Week in League from last night, you already have my... Gro- so he sent this to Chapo. Listening to This Week in League from last night, you already have my vote for Gronk of the Year 2014. Yeah. And Chapo was very well upset that he, he was very upset that he came so close but didn't win the Gronk of the Year. And so I think we're in for a, a wild year next year of just absolute ignorance I'm not sure from James. What, it was it was actually handed out like as an insult. Like people are Origin, originally it was, but now yeah, people was, are wearing it as a badge of honour. Yeah, it's a, it's a coveted award. Was Kyle, Kyle was like Paraman was he was a Gronk the first year, wasn't Didn't he? Didn't he work the first two years? He may have. He may but he he wasn't happy well about deserved it. Too, just quite first year he wasn't happy about it though. Like you know he wasn't it wasn't like a bad well, he's, he's never happy about anything. A man's not happy unless he's unhappy. Yeah. Which one of those sort of blokes. So, so we kind of made him happy, you know, in some way. Yeah. <laughs> at, it's like Inception. <laughs> Gronkception. At Caleb Shanks. Not sure what was worse last night, my sick screaming baby, or listening to Glenn try to read a news story. Yeah, there was a lot of people bitching about the... I mean... That's one of my favourite moments. That was some funny shit. Just the chat room then was just going fucking berserk. <laughs> that was part that was uh replaying you know, on my trip up here and yeah. I was critiquing it myself. Yeah. Couldn't find anything wrong with it. Yeah. It was great. Thought it had passion, thought it had heart, thought it had drama. <laughs> and um quite frankly, uh you can all get fucked because don't, don't I, drink drive clean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Look, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was, that, I didn't think it was that bad, but they really like latched People onto it. Fucking like, hammered it. It's just because, like, okay, Glenn's going. Well, Glenn's you're normally just, you know, you know, very, uh, you know, I don't want to say monotone. That sounds insulting, but <laughs> you, you just you bash it out. Is all is what I'm saying. I gave it, I gave it some character. I gave it life. I added drama. <laughs> There you go, people. Um, how about you? Uh, let us know if what Glenn says is actually is correct. I'll, I'll listen to it again and give my thoughts next week, or next week, next year. Last show of the year, bitches. No. On a blood buzz. That was the real show of the year. Good work, boys. Hash real talk live. What about uh, this weekend? League makes makes Jackson cry. What? I got home from work. This is I haven't had a particularly great week yet again uh, at work. Anyway, got home. And uh, drove up the driveway. Jackson comes running out to meet me. Opens up the car door. Are you going to do your special job tonight, Dad? I said, yeah. He's like, oh, do you have to? I said, yeah, mate. It's the last one of the year. Tears. Just breaks down. I'm like, oh, you're fucking kidding me. I haven't even got out of the car yet. I don't need this shit. <laughs> Just, I had a bad day at work. And he's going to fight. Now you're, you're going to get started on me? What? <laughs> I tell you, I said, mate, it's the last one of the year. You got me for like six months after five, six months without a show. I'm like, mate, like, let me give you a rundown of Saturday for me. Okay. Got up in the morning, went to uh, take Jackson to swimming. Mm -hmm. Got home from swimming, made Jackson's breakfast. Yep. Stole a little bit of time, went to the gym. Got back from the gym after busting my ass. Made a little bit of um, lunch for Jackson, mm-hmm. and then take, took Jackson down to the park and played football with him on a full-size football field. Tackle, where he proceeded to run fucking rings around me because he's very fast for his size, very light, and can stop on a dime and change direction very quickly and gets <laughs> going very quickly again. I am 
not very fast, quite heavy, can't stop on a dime. <laughs> so this led to uh, numerous 60 and 70 metre runs <laughs> chasing after a fucking six-year-old. Trying to keep him out wide. In the blistering sun after having been at the gym for the better part of two hours. <laughs> so um, I think he gets a fair bit of my time, is my yep. point. Yeah. So shut up, kid. I, you're looking at it all wrong. Let's put, oh, a, po- let's put a positive spin on it. Okay. The reason why he was the tears started is because it was the last show of the year, and he I mean, he loves it as much as the next person. Oh, exactly right. He would uh, never listen to an episode until he's 18. 30, 38. <laughs> but anyway, sometimes it, I used to have it on in the in the car, and then if I was picking him up from school or yeah. before he was at school, picking him up from mum's or whatever, and uh, I'd start the car up and not realise. Yeah. And it had clicked back via the Bluetooth. This is fuck on fuck. And then, yeah, then, then before I, like literally, before I could turn it off, there was like three swear words. Oh, fuck. Why well, somebody think of the children? Exactly. Uh, at Evil Conspiracy. It's been almost 24 hours, but I still can't come to terms with it. Benji robbed for Interchange Player of the Year. Uh, sweet well, I was as shocked as you were. Yeah, I was too. Because when you started reading it, because of drunkenness, when you started reading it, I was like, oh, fuck, he's won. I started thinking, oh my God, he's won it. And then they're like, oh no, that's right. You said he comes second. Fuck. <laughs> I thought he got up. I was, I was praying he'd get up, but yeah. Sweet NIGB, thanks to the Twill Nation for choosing me as their super fan. I promise to fulfill my duties with dignity and grace. Don't pretend like anyone but yourself voted for you. Whatever. Well, unfortunately, that's wrong. What? Because he, if he won, <laughs> there wasn't one person voting in the Twillies, you realise. No, but he, I mean, he's a nerd. You could imagine him. He sits in his basement where he lives, you know, his okay. mum and dad live upstairs. He goes upstairs when he needs to watch Star Wars with his mum and dad in his undies All right. every day. As, as, as I believe you went through on the night, on, yeah. the, on the live um, But other than that, he's downstairs. He's got multiple c- computers lined up, different IP addresses. <laughs> Gets technical about it. He, he was after that award and he got it. And, and I mean, good luck to the man. He went to a lot of effort. Adam, 1975. Having listened to the first half of the This Week in League Twillies podcast, I would pay good money to watch these two clowns do that show live. I would accept your good money. Yeah, I would too. And we, To we, get pissed and talk about football. And live. General yeah. bullshit. Just in your lounge room. I'll do it in your lounge room. You can cook me dinner as well. Imagine doing it in, a, doing it in front of a crowd. It'd be oh. like, because you could pull people up to the stage <laughs> or, you know, whatever. And, you know, get them people like Chapo and, just, and say, oh. mate, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> you, just hear the, you just hear the mic go on the ground. And just be like, <laughs> <laughs> um, now this As is a, you had sex with him, what? What, <laughs> what are you doing that? Yeah, yeah, on stage? What, what is yeah, this show becoming, Nathan? I don't know. I mean, whatever you, whatever you caught is obviously uh, contagious. <laughs> um, Undiluted7 is the Twitter handle. It's a new Twitter handle for Mr. Bowles, who had his Twitter account suspended. <laughs> really? And he said, uh, Nate, pass on my apologies to your wife for the use of hash cunt punt as hashtag of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Underscore Wars, fucking pumped with my This Week in League second place super fan of the year award. This rate's right up there. Will get me laid for sure. First time he's ever come second. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he came back with another tweet where he said, uh, you can clearly track... <laughs> You, Glenn, getting progressively drunker as the episode goes on. Oh, duh. <laughs> I 
was having one bourbon per reward. <laughs> um, okay, Eddie NZ, great live episode of This Week in League. We'll try to get involved in the next one, time zone permitting. Uh, mad cow's disease. Getting ready for the World Cup by re-listening to the live This Week in League episode. Didn't realise at the time how pissed they were. Didn't I give him a spray? <laughs> <laughs> I think he actually said like he actually like tweeted and he said oh you know that's quality or you know yeah. <laughs> or like, it really was not he was like just drunken and just yeah. just, <laughs> just gave it to him it to don't, don't stick your head up mate <laughs> uh, Tall Hayden just listen to this week in League Awards uh, episode one fucking Manly fans voting <laughs> two how much of a dick will Chapo be next year <laughs> I think he's I think he's maxed out Already, I agree. I'm um, up 23. Of course, our Gronk of the Year winner. Great episode, boys. Your best ever. <laughs> Even though Tool Nation got a fair few wrong. What about he had a Twillies party? Yeah, sensational. With his only two mates in the world. Yeah, but no, I'm, I'm not going to bag any of those guys. That's a, that's a CJ. Not bagging the CJ other two. Him up. <laughs> He's got no friends. I'm, I'm saying kudos to those guys not for bag- befriending a bloke with no other friends in the world. Not bagging any of them because of, for a couple of reasons. One, you saw the photo they put up. Revelation shirt in there. I don't know who's who. Sensational. I didn't know who was who. And they were drinking. Which one was Mup? Mup was he was the Revelation shirt. I think was he really? I think I'm trying. Not how I pictured him at I'm, all. I'm trying to. I'm trying. Mainly because he had both ears. I'm trying to think of orders now. I think who who, who bought the Revelation shirt. God, because, identify because yourselves. Because those guys are good supporters of the show. Um, and then secondly, you know, they're, they're drinking cruises as well. They're getting in the spirit yeah, <laughs> of, the, of the shows. Uh, GT351 underscore Johns. Just finished this weekly po- podcast. Funny, disturbing, and entertaining, except for the obvious vote rigging for womanly, grotty players. <laughs> Which is um, actually, I mean, when it came down to the people at the end who you know did the feedback and the demographic stuff, like, you know, who do you go for and all that sort of thing, the, I'd say 25% of the voters indicated that they supported Manly. Yeah. So there was that. And you know what? Shame on the shame on the rest because honestly is the total voting voting number for the Twillies was probably represented somewhere in the vicinity it was it was under 10% of total listenership. Mm. So that means that people people who support clubs other than Manly exactly. get you the result. Should have manned up. Get your fucking ass and vote next time. Um, then this this is a, a, a good one. Uh, Freak 09. Just listen to the Twillies. Great show, boys. Amazed to see Manly will travel to the Twill voting page. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I've, I've got to give the final word on the show to um, Dashing Dan 1. I didn't enjoy it. Not a criticism, just a comment. Well, if it's one thing I can say about Dan, is that he's a cock. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Um, you know, this is a bloke that calls himself a cricketer. And, um, you know, you go out, he invites people to go and watch him play cricket. And this is a sad thing. Um, you know, Benny Dunn, he's a, he's a family man. Yeah. He's family, you know, why don't you come down and watch me play cricket, mate? Because, you know, I'm a cricketer. Ben Dunn, you can just imagine Ben Dunn gets in. So when when do you play, Dan? Oh no, mate! Oh, you got me all wrong. Did I say I was a cricketer? No, no, just pushing the card around for the boys. Oh, purveyor of drinks. Yeah, of cold beverages. <laughs> cold beverages to the cricketers. Oh, you better get me a bit. Oh, no, no, just to the team, mate. I'm pushing the card. <laughs> um, now, other... disappointing afternoon for Ben. That would have been indeed. But you know, in return, uh, Dan got a couple of disappointing hours on the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. In summary, <laughs> uh, fuck you, Dan. Yeah, and then, then we got some some other Twitter feedback unrelated to the show. We pass that now. On a blood buzz, sent us a message and said, "Are you writing for the Sydney Morning Herald now?" And he's given us a screenshot of, of something <laughs> in the Sydney Morning Herald, and I'm going to read it out for the good people now. This is about Sonny Bill Williams. 
Williams is walking genetic good fortune on a massive scale. He has it all. Speed, strength, and mental fortitude. Explosive thighs with a sensational one-handed offloads. The body of a pumped Michelangelo. Long eyelashes. Honeyed skin. A face that has somehow come out of the ravages of boxing looking beatific. And he is 193 centimetres. The only flaw, a tiny flaw, is a small cut on his left hand that he scratches and scratches at when talking. <laughs> yeah, I agree. hundred percent you as, are right. If not, I'm just if not saying, a new player's entered the game and you have some competition. As someone that has said um, to a listenership of, of thousands upon thousands of people mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, times where I might have, you know, sat by, my, by myself and thought about tying Sonny Bill Williams to a chair and smothering him in honey. Yeah. I'm disturbed by that. <laughs> um, CA Photo 10 said, uh, I think it's time for Twitter, T-W-I-T-A, this summer. And he said, uh, what do you say? And everyone said, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> yeah. This week in the ashes, to which I probably said something along the lines of, no, 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 Look, no, no. The ashes is probably the only cricket I take any sort of notice of these days. I'm so out of touch with cricket. Yeah. The only the, my heaviest involvement in cricket at the moment is bagging Dan for pushing the drink scarf Auburn. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. Uh, like yeah, when when the Ashes are on, I you know you usually have a TV going while I'm working because it, it's it's a distract. It's something you can watch peripherally, mm. and occasionally something will happen. So it's good in that sense. And I, I just I mean some would say I don't have the knowledge of rugby league either, but I don't really have the uh, the knowledge of the of the game and the players and and stuff like that. The current players. Um, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, I it's a nice say, gesture. It is. I went on to say that we'd be, that, you know, we'd just be talking about about Roy and um, and Michael Clark you know, <laughs> getting <laughs> doing wobbly H with Bingle and you know the rest of it, <laughs> and ultimately oh, what well, precipitated Roy's, yeah, and ultimately what uh, what what precipitated Roy's uh, fall from grace. Um, Facebook feedback. A couple of guys uh, chipped in on Facebook about the show. Anthony Crozier, excellent evening of live gronkery. Uh, Danny, Danny Palmer, Big Dan, it was good stuff, worth staying up for. And uh, Justin White said the Ustream shit talk was the highlight. Now, emails. I've got one from uh, from Gavin Rennick. He's emailed us a couple of times this season, actually. Probably the most prolific email feedback guy. Hey, boys, love the latest show. Sounds like you had a ton of fun during recording. I found Twill this year thanks to Rugby League's number one journo, Steve Mascord, who had a Google Reader page listing all the Rugby League podcasts. Wow. To which I replied to his email and said, that's hilarious that, that you credit you finding this show from Steve Mascord because... Um, He's pretty much tried to bury it every chance he's got. <laughs> I don't know. So, he's tried to bury it. Yeah. He probably hasn't given it, given it the credence he's given other shows that uh, you know people he's affiliated with might be yeah. involved. But we get uh, like twelve viewers on a live show, for example. At the end of the day, total hash boom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, that was in the. No, no, he had it. He, no. he had like a, a Google read. But do you remember that Google reader page? Yeah, yeah, I remember we went that. on it. And then our and then our listeners started bitching at him, and then he put yeah, us on too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. No, sorry, I was thinking of the um, with apologies to Mister Mascot. I was thinking of the Big League one where they did the social media and. Oh okay. Yep. We, we got, got in that. We got to so, mention in that. Yeah, we got yep. to mention in that, so it's good. Um, Jimmy Pop sent me an email. Literally, it was probably after 
I finished work for the day and before we started recording the show. Hey, Nate, it's Jimmy Pop. It's Dolly Dolly, Jimmy Pop, Dolly Dolly. And I think, is he the guy that, like, went around to every other Rugby League podcast and fucking slammed them all and gave them, like, one-star reviews? Remember oh. when that happened? <laughs> and they're, like, and, and people are, like, fo- you know, firing up at us. And we're, like, we didn't, we didn't command this. We didn't do it. This isn't our doing. This isn't our doing. Um, yeah, you know, it's sucked in. Fucking it's a this a- weekend league extremist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Have a fucking cry too, incidentally, you know. You got a one star review, which I was shit anyway. Hang on a sec. We we generally hammer anyone that's ever given us a one star review. Yeah, but yeah, but Jimmy so, Jimmy gave us five stars. He's all good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck what people give other shows. No, I'm I, saying I, when I just, someone I, gives us a, a one star review, we hammer them. If they if they put a review to it and we can identify them, yeah, like Andos Twenty, for example, the most famous <laughs> example of, yeah, That's <laughs> fucking Andos Twenty. Um, anyway, he said, uh, yeah, hey, Nate, it's Jimmy Pop. Had a board meeting at my NRMA contact centre today, so I got to meet the board, including this champ. I'm not a manly supporter, but I enjoyed chatting to twos. We were meant we were meant to talk about the business and whatnot, but I ended up talking about an for about an hour about footy good times, and he sent me a picture of uh, himself and twos. So uh, sensational. Tuvia's on the board of NRMA. It has been for many, many years. Fuck, I'm changing all my insurances. Has been for Away almost... Away from NRMA. Has, has been almost uh, you know, almost immediately after he finished his playing days. So, yeah, there you go. NRMA, Fuck, in good hands. I wonder if he assesses claims or, you know, like... When He's on the, the board. He gets paid no, but, a healthy amount of money to do fuck all. That's what, yeah. like every board in the world. Can you imagine him... If if he was assessing claims and there's a dodgy claim, he's like, "There's got to be an investigation. This is ridiculous." <laughs> uh, and just for old time's sakes, for the last uh, episode of the year, got a cat watch a special one. This one didn't come from our overseas correspondence. This one came straight from the paper, and I'll read it out. Jamie Soward says he arrives at his new club, Penrith, as a much more mature and relaxed player. After leaving St. George Illawarra mid-season to join the London Broncos, Soward is back in the country to begin a four-year deal with the Panthers. But it's his stint in the English Super League that has left a rejuvenated, in quotes, Soward feeling like a new man and ready to help guide Penrith to their first premiership since 2003. It made me reevaluate where I was at in regards to how far along I thought I could be and where I wanted to go. I think I'm a lot more mature and a lot more relaxed on the footy side of things. It was pretty tough. We had a young side and a lot of injuries. There were some mean times there, so I had to be patient and wait for these young kids to step up and play at the level we needed every week. I'm looking to go out to Penrith, not jumping in and being a leader, but training hard, make friends with everyone, work hard, and show them they're there to be serious and win another premiership, hopefully. What are the odds of Jamie Seward making friends with everyone? Yeah, pretty much fucking none and fuck all. Uh, marrying his fiancée Emma next month, Seward says his primary focus is getting fit after returning, in quotes, a little bit overweight. I'll be trying to earn the respect of my new teammates and getting stuck into the hard work as soon as possible. For me, it's fitting the assistance they have in place and also being able to contribute some of the stuff I've learned, having been playing in NRL and trying to coordinate the two so you get the best result. But for me, it's about getting rid of all the extra pudding I've eaten over the break and get fit before Christmas. That's an honest assessment. (coughs) I guess. Then he comes on to say a blatant lie. The exciting part for me was Peter Wallace coming in. Oh, fucking. An experience. Well, hang on, I've got to stop you right there. Anyone get ex- getting excited over the recruitment of Peter Wallace to Penrith is uh, 
It's a clearly a fucking lunatic. Yeah, but when it's like, you know, Nathan, it's high on pudding by the sound of it. When Nathan Fiend was like the previous, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe Wallace is exciting. I mean, he's not exciting to someone who might have played with the Cherry Evans, but, you know, a cronk, a <laughs> player of that caliber. Uh, an experienced halfback being able to steer the team around and having another older head with some exciting backs. James Sigiara has impressed me, but the one to watch is probably going to be James Roberts. If he keeps growing, keeps his head on and keeps his speed, I'm sure we're going to see him in the NRL for years to come. Out. The new, crude, mature. Sounds like relaxed. Sounds like he's trying to be the coaching director of the video. <laughs> oh, just, I can't, I can't see anything but that being spectacular. But we'll find out shortly that sometimes things I predict don't necessarily come true. News. First story and the Auckland Nines. The pools have been released. Um, this is... I, oh, I'm seriously considering going over for this. Nines. Really? Yeah. I think it might be something to do, eh? Oh, I'll watch it on TV, I don't know. Yeah? I'll be fucking going to New Zealand for it. Yeah, I'm thinking... I just... I don't know why. Just uh, maybe it's nostalgia for the old sevens or something. I don't know. Just, uh, just got a hankering to maybe go over there. But we'll see. You know, marry an accountant. And, you know, these things can, can just be dreams. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Well, um, if you married a creative accountant, they could be reality. It's true. It's true. And I'm sure she was delighted with all the fucking ads we we left for, for her business during the live telecast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sensational. Um, but we've got a, a bit of a pool of death, or a group of death. As I'm these... sorry to cut you off. Is that a pair of underpants up there? Um, no, it's a, it's like a soft case for, um, sunglasses. Right, eh? Well, or, conversely, it could be used as, you know, something, to, something to protect my knob. Yeah. From, you know, from, I don't know what, you know, scratches, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for clearing that up. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, so, no, no, not underpants. But, uh... I was going to say, why are they on the table? What yeah. are they doing there? Yeah. Well, Why are they on the... Hang on a sec. Why are they on the table and there's empty picnic wrappers? Um. <laughs> so, yeah, so a whole world of possibilities has just become close to you because it's actually not underpants. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have a bit of a, uh, a pool of death, a group of death, and uh, with the Warriors, Canberra, North Queensland, and Manly in the one group, all teams that would be the four favourites having to face each other in the group. So that's uh you know makes it easy for a lot of other teams. Just going to go through these um through these pools, and we've got uh, Warriors, Raiders, Seagulls, Cowboys, and Pool Yellow, Pool Green, Roosters, Eels, Broncos, Bulldogs, Pool Blue, Sharks, Knights, Tigers, Titans, please, and Tigers Pool Red. Escape out of that. No Storm, problem. Panthers, Rabbitohs, Dragons. So I'm thinking Pool Blue, easy pool for the Tigers. I mean, Titans have got some guys like, you know, me, get it to Gordon, you know, Fi-Fi Law will probably come in. And, you know, Caesar and Kelly, probably, you know, good open field, you know, sure. less defenders. I mean, that kind of thing. but really, are there going to be any match for Tedesco and Simona and Nofaluma, Corey Abedi? 
probably. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and so right, I ask you a question. But, you but, but what, I'm, what the important thing that what I'm what I'm doing is I'm outright dismissing the Sharks and the Knights as any chance of being a threat. I mean, maybe I'm a bit hasty on the Knights. I mean, you know, maybe BJ or Joey. Sorry, maybe Joey Lailua, Gay Guy. Maybe they could do something. I think no. Gay Guy would probably be fairly good in the in the format. He to be certainly honest. would, but it'll be no match for anyone in the Tigers Tigers jersey. Let me tell you. Yeah. Now the Warriors. I mean, this is made you know made for Sean Johnson. This sort of competition. Oh, absolutely. But unfortunately, the Seagulls are in that group, so they can't win it. Um, the Raiders, <laughs> who knows who they'll have. You know, will Milford take the $1 million bait? Or was he serious about his homesickness? That's what it comes down to, a million dollars. He's got a million reasons to thank every now. A million dollars buys you a lot of homesickness remedy. Oh, buys, buys you a lot of cheap flights up to, you know, you can fly up every weekend and his day off. When you're getting a million dollars a year, you know, spend $10,000 on flights through, through the course of a season. Mm. It's no big deal, really. Exactly. Um, but yeah, this I mean, I am looking forward to it, whether I do go there or whether I, uh, whether we um, do the other. But um, yeah, uh, Sam Tompkins, he will make his uh, debut, and he apparently is very keen to appear in Auckland. So that's another plus, I guess, another tick in the uh, the on the Warriors side there. Sure. And um, I'm looking forward to it. He'd want to be able to play with nine players. I mean, on the field. he the, can't play with thirteen. I've got the whole drawer in front of me here, but fuck that. That'll you know, watch it when it comes. Uh, it's all good. Um, the only thing, the only thing I don't like about it is that it doesn't have like the old plate and the. What was the other thing? Shield, cup, plate, shield, or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Cup, shield, plate. So. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's good to have like tarred cups and stuff to keep the other guys interested. Don't quite sure. make, the, make the top level. Um, you know, not really an issue for uh, you know as, as a manly supporter because you know always playing for the fucking. Oh, top prize, let's but, um, move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, big grudge match will kick off season 2014. The grudge match of the year, superstar Ben Barber against the club he walked out on, the Bulldogs. Channel 9 have requested Brisbane Canterbury blockbuster for the opening Friday night of the season at Suncorp on March 7th. It would put the fullback and 2012 Dalian champ up against his old club and many of the players he fell out with during a tumultuous 2013 that included claims of domestic violence as well as gambling and alcohol issues. On the Thursday night, March 6, bitter local rivals South Sydney Rabbitohs and Sydney Roosters will play at ANZ Stadium. The games will also be shown live in high definition on Channel 9. The station has finally overcome the technical issues that prevented it from covering the NRL in HD. Nine recently lodged its request with the NRL for the opening 20 rounds of a fixed scheduled season and expects final approval within days. The AFL season draw is revealed on Thursday, but the NRL will be at least two weeks later. And uh, Barber's clash with the Bulldogs will surely sell out Suncorp, ensuring a bumper 50,000-plus a state-of-origin type crowd in Brisbane. The night before, the Roosters and the Rabbitohs will get up towards 70,000 at Homebush in what has now become the traditional season kickoff. Um, <clears throat> Barber, his quotes... It was, wow, imagine the crowd. I've got to play against the boys sometimes, so I might as well be round one. At the moment, I'm just getting over my surgery and looking forward to starting training. At this stage, I'm thinking more about the Broncos than my opponents. So uh, it's no secret he left the Bulldogs on bad terms with many of his teammates and coaching staff. They were bitter he walked out on the club after management and coach Des Hasler had invested heavily in his rehabilitation. The two opening round blockbusters are part of more strategic planning involving nine Fox Sports, the NRL and the clubs. And so now they're trying to blame like a a slump in crowds and ratings last season with um, the schedule being poorly thought out. So, All right. So, so, so Greenberg, the, the person who's miraculous, is still actually employed. So we'll be trying to play as many of the big marquee games in key time slots to maximise TV ratings and crowds. So I suspect that what that means is that... Um, Channel 9 will get their way because they own the game. Yeah, and uh, hopefully... It means that Manly won't be playing East on Monday night like they did twice this season. Sure. <laughs> Just gone. Um, next story. Sam Burgess is a fucking grub. Discuss. 
Oh, he's got form. He has got form. He has got form. I mean, he probably should have been sent off. It was pretty bad. I think the the uh, for people who didn't see it, uh, high tackle on Sam Friday. Um, if you can knock Sam Friday out, you're doing well. I mean, yeah. Did he have? Did he had a, a baseball bat in there with him at the time? I didn't see it, but I mean, fucking, he smashed him. Should have been a send off, but despite that, he's get he gets a one match ban. One match. Mm. Ridiculous, ridiculous. He probably should have been cut from the tournament, you know, just with a suspension that would have, you know, seen him, you know, maybe like a six game. Sure, or something. But that, I mean, given his standing in the England side and the fact that he's probably one of the only things that makes him remotely competitive, um, you can understand them wanting to keep him in the tournament. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, and and so he'll he'll miss one game, which is uh, England playing against Ireland, <laughs> who showed that they've got absolutely fucking nothing. Um, and now uh, England wisely decided not to appeal the suspension. They're probably just like, oh, fuck, yeah, yes. <laughs> One week, yes. So his place in the lineup will be taken by James Graham. And uh, Graham was dropped for disciplinary issues, uh, we believe, for the game against the Kangaroos. Uh, we had uh, Hawk got kicked out of the side. A couple of other players were supposed to be with him, and there were a couple of notable omissions from the game against Australia. Um, they're saying that um, Thiday is actually in doubt for Saturday's Group A match against Fiji in St. Helens. But, uh, um, well, I guess it depends on how the concussion rule works in internationally. Yeah, because he surely he was fucking out like a lie. Yeah, but I mean, the concussion rule doesn't work locally either, though. I mean, like you know, got yeah, exactly. Down there back up next week, so it's a bit of a fucking farce. But um, the thing is, I saw another article him against Fiji. Sure. Yeah. Well, I don't have the article in front of me, but um, I saw a bit of um talk like that. You know, Sam Burgess is you know he was like a, he was like a media darling you know, through season 2013. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the table's actually turning after the squirrel grip and, you know, a couple of other incidents and then this this high tackle is starting to turn a bit and he's starting to, uh, the shine's starting to come off. Yeah, really? Yeah. So, oh, once he gets back to Australia and Channel 9 get hold of him, they'll be right. Yeah, probably. I mean, they don't have uh, Binge anymore to, uh, to maybe, you know, you'll get a, a permanent, because he was sort of like, he was very he was very regular on a footy show. Wasn't yeah, he? exactly. Was it a permanent position or was he just like a, Every he seemed to be. He seemed I, to be I have life. to tell you, I I didn't watch the footy show at all last year, so I wouldn't know who was permanent and who was semi regular. So I watched it periodically because because I, I hate it, and I thought I can't keep, I can't keep talking shit on it though. If yeah, you know, maybe it's changed and it's amazing. So every couple you know every couple of months I sort of mm. jump on there and I go, oh, oh no, look, same old, same old. It's not to my taste, and and some people love it. It obviously rates well enough for Channel Nine for them to still be showing it. So. Um, that's their choice, and I make mine. Exactly. Their choice is wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> that's their right to do it. Uh, next story. Wolfman has been cleared of the charges of uh, offensive behaviour and a fray that uh, happened, uh, that were lodged uh, in May after a, a situation that emerged in King's Cross nightclub. Um, he escaped without conviction, and uh, the magistrate, Lisa Stapleton, threw out both charges. She told the court that Williams had been hard done by after reading the facts and dismissed the charge of offensive behaviour under Section 10, despite the 27-year-old pleading guilty. The charge of a fray had been withdrawn by the prosecution. Um, according to police facts tendered to the court, Williams and Manly teammate Justin Horrow were outside the Sapphire Lounge at King's Cross when they were involved in an altercation with resident DJ Slobodan Radjakovic just before 2 a.m. Wait, hang on a second. Security intervened and the two parties were taken to opposite exits of the club. But when security staff went inside the club, 
Slobodan King hit Horro from behind, causing him to take a number of steps backward, according to police facts. CCTV footage revealed Williams involving himself physically before attempting to physically restrain his friends and persuade him to leave. And uh, old mate was charged with a fray as well, and he's uh, still in front of the courts. And I dare say if they've got CCTV... The yeah. I dare say if they've got CCTV of him King hitting Justin Horro, then... Uh, you know, he might have a case to answer. He'll have a case to answer, but it ultimately it'll end up being like a slap on the wrist anyway, you'd think. Next story, Canberra are spastics. Canberra are set to make a staggering $1 million a season bid to prevent rising teenage superstar Anthony Milford joining the Brisbane Broncos. This will skyrocket him into the top earning bracket, putting him alongside Cameron Smith, Greg Inglis and Jonathan Thurston. The deal has been put together as a last-minute pitch to keep him at the club. Many insiders already believe he signed with the Broncos for 2015 and is still a strong possibility of linking with the club next season. However, incoming Raiders coach Ricky Stewart understands Milford's importance to the club future and hatched the audacious plan to keep him. If the Broncos want to play these games, I just hope they're offering the same money that we've got for him, Stuart said. Hopefully, he'll go on the cap for the same amount of money we're offering him. The offer will make Milford 19, the first $1 million a season player in Raiders history. He was the Raiders player of the year in his rookie season and is desperately trying to get out of the final season of his Canberra deal to join the Broncos next year. He and manager Sam Ayub have put off negotiations until Milford returns from the Rugby League World Cup, where he's playing for some hour. Yet Stewart has refused to give up on him, confirming the Raiders are preparing to table the massive offer to take the rising star through the end of the 2017 season. Yet there's a problem. So far, Milford has declined any approaches from the club to extend his contract. The Broncos have tabled a $600,000 a year offer, including a massive deal if he's able to get out of next season's Canberra contract and join early. Uh, and it goes on, to, you know, to talk about the woes of Canberra that, you know, if he leaves, it's another blow with, you know, Carney, Dugan, Ferguson, Monaghan, all these guys uh, leaving for various reasons. Uh, Ricky Stewart said, I'm sick of seeing our kids developed and taught how to play the game in Canberra and then poached by people who can't develop. And, uh, which is a nice little uh, jab at the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. nice little... Uh... And uh, Don, Don Ferner, he's engaged the NRL in the hope that Milford will remain at the Raiders next season. And he says, we've already sent details to the NRL and we hope they'll back us in the contract. We just want to make sure that it is a valid contract for 2014. I just don't understand. Like, if, if a lot of people think he's already signed, that's one thing. Um, but why is, why is he declining their offers, you know? Like, yeah. if, if it does come down to money and the the homesickness thing is is, um, you know, a bit of smoke and mirrors in order for him to sign with the Broncos and then the Raiders come in with a million-dollar deal. It'll be interesting to see just how homesick he really is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a million dollars, you know, with a million dollars a season over, like, four years, I dare say you could perhaps, you know, relocate the Milford home to Canberra. Yeah, damn straight. Yeah, fairly comfortably. And very comfortable, but far more comfortable than an Arla or whatever, uh, you know, old Halo... You would think so. And his Xbox console are currently residing. Okay. Next story. Stig. Now, on the live show last week, we, we read out segments from uh, from, from what Stig wrote on uh, and, and tweeted out uh, in regards to gay marriage. Now, the Knights, they've come out and they've distanced themselves from the post saying the Newcastle Knights acknowledge comments issued by Ryan Stig on Wednesday, October 23rd. The Newcastle Knights does not discriminate against any person or race, whether they're a player, supporter or employee within our organisation. We offer equal opportunity for any person to play a role in our club and do not support the views of Ryan Stig. These comments are the personal opinion of Stig based on his own beliefs and do not reflect those of the club. 
Fair call, I guess. Uh, you know, good on them for covering their ass. I mean, these, those comments have been out for, you know, a day or maybe even two days before we, we spoke about it on the show last week. Mm. So they didn't really come to... A little to, bit late to the party. Yeah, but... they didn't pour water on that quickly because considering the comments only became eligible to be on a show this week. Mm. And we recorded fucking late last week too. Exactly. We remembered. So, you know, Ryan Stig, you're a disgrace. I'm sure we said it in um, much more colourful language last week. But yeah, disgrace. Next one, Brad Arthur. I just want to say that Brad Arthur is making all the right noises at Parramatta, and quite frankly, if he was speaking this way in the interview process and all that sort of thing, it's mystifying that it took them so long to you know come to a decision on it and, and you know get him on board. Um, he had a sit-down uh, interview with uh, I think it was the Telegraph. Uh, I don't have it on me here at the moment. But he said some, some great stuff. I mean, he, he wants to make the Eels a rugby league powerhouse again. He was reminded that they claimed two successive wooden spoons, and he said, yeah, we won't be getting three. We definitely won't be getting three wooden spoons. Then when asked why he was so certain, he said, number one, the young blokes that are here who've come through the club in the last 12 months. Then we have new players like Nathan Peets, Corey Norman, Lee Mossop, and Will Hopawade. And then you mix that with Jared Hayne, who's averaged 12 or 14 games over the past couple of years. Um... We want to make sure we get him nice and fit, nice and strong, and playing his best footy. Tim Manor, Joseph Paulo, Luke Kelly, there's good talent already here. We'll be training all pre-season with a positive attitude and come round one, we're in the same position as everyone else. Everyone's fine to make the top eight, and our goal won't be any different. We want to make sure we're taking the field with an attitude of win at all costs. I know we won't win every game, but we need to make sure we have a winning attitude. So, um, and, it's, and you know, if, as a, if you're a Parramatta fan, this is exactly the sort yeah, of shit you music want to hear. Yeah, he said, we want the fans to know that every week we'll be playing with passion and we're playing for our logo and our fans. And um, he said, we have new players, it's a new time for Parramatta, a new coach, and I have my own philosophies and style. I know we won't be reliving or talking about what's happened here in the past. It's about what's going to happen and everything is going to be positive from here on. Uh, and then he, said, he finishes up, which is the best part for the Parramatta fans. Everyone's asking me, why do I want to go back to Parramatta? The obvious answer is the people that I want to coach... The, the, the obvious answer to people is that I want to coach an NRL team. But it's more than that. I played all my juniors here. I played SG Ball here, under-21s, a bit of reserve grade. This is more to me than just a job. It's a passion. So you've got to like that. I like the way he talks. Yeah, I agree. And that cat better fucking shut up. Yeah. Or else he's getting cunt-punted across the room. Hashtag cunt punt for 2014. I could... Um, if Tiger's decline, can't three people. I could reverse over it as as I leave. Well, it's an indoor cat and never goes outside, so that you'd actually have to destroy a significant amount of my house to do that, so yeah. I'd rather you didn't. Right. Tie right. a fucking book around its neck and... <laughs> and what? Huh? We'll tie a book around its neck and what? Well, it's not going to be able to get away real fast, is it? With a fucking book tied around its neck. You sound, you've got the sound of a man who's, who's done this before. <laughs> Knows what he's doing. I mean, like, book around, you know... There's plenty of like kettlebell around the neck, you know. Just you know, that would work as an anchor for a cat, you'd think. Oh, why would you fucking a kettlebell is overkill? <laughs> you don't get a job done. <laughs> <laughs> Drop it on his fucking head. Um, <laughs> there's a bidding war about to uh, this weekend killing cats. Yeah, uh, the, the bidding war about to uh, erupt over uh, Cameron Smith, and uh, apparently uh, there's a lot of Sydney clubs set to enter the race for the. Uh, allegedly most prized signature in the NRL. Um, they can leave, legally field rival NRL offers from Friday, opening the door for the Broncos to table a $1 million a season deal for the Queensland skipper. You from think that's... when? 2015? Uh, yes. Um, Parramatta has also become the first Sydney-based outfit to express interest in Smith, oh, yes, for the 2015 fuck, season. Uh, luring the 30-year-old to Sydney will be difficult because of the Logan Products family ties in Brisbane, although he's played a lot of his career, you know, like... He's been down in Melbourne. It's a long way from Logan. Mm. Didn't really 
didn't really trouble him then. Um, but the Eels, they have a bargaining chip in new coach Brad Arthur, who struck a rapport with Smith during his time as an assistant to coach Bellamy in Melbourne. Storm hierarchy will fight hard to keep Smith, but are facing salary cap pressures with Ryan Hoffman, Jesse Bromwich, Kevin Proctor, and Tohu Harris also off contract next season. Tohu Harris will be arsehole. He's used to that. Yeah. Uh, the Broncos, apparently a front runner to snare Smith. The Parramatta chairman, Steve Sharp, believes the Maroons' ace is an ideal recruit to rebuild the Eels. I'm sure there'll be a dozen clubs who will be putting their hand up, and Parramatta are a club who will certainly be looking for someone of Cam's quality. We don't have a lot of room in our cap for 2014, but we do have funds for 2015. If our coach wants to have a crack at one of the best players in the game, if Brad says, I want Cameron Smith here, as a board, we would do everything to make that possible. I don't know Cameron Smith at all, but Brad Arthur does, and I marvel at him as a fan. Cameron's a born leader, a winner, and he would be an asset to any club. He controls the ruck area better than anyone else in the game, and with a few dynamic runners like Will Hopawate and Jared Hayne on our side, Cameron would be a great foil for those guys. He's an exceptional player and the type of bloke that can rebuild a club like Parramatta. I just worry about the length of some of these deals that might be offered to Cameron Smith. He's... I feel this year was a bit of a decline for him, especially in the back end of the season. Quite I, I don't know about a, a decline, but it, it reminds me, you know, he's he's played a lot of footy, and yep. he's been fairly injury free. I think yep. he's probably had one that Origin series where Ballon played to replace him. Yeah, that was only like one game, though, wasn't it? When Ballon played, I thought he played the series, didn't he? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, um, if he's not coming on till twenty fifteen, you're going to be rebuilding a, you know, yeah. a club around a, a bloke that's. And if you know, between now and then if he if he does start to pick up a few injuries, that's gonna, you know, nullify a, a lot of the value for money you're gonna get out of that contract. So um I know one club that won't be signing and that's the West Tigers. They could use they've, a hooker. They've already got the best hooker in the game, they don't need Cameron Smith. Why would you go for second best when you got Robbie Farrah? Um but good luck to the Eels, they wanna you know, they they had a crack at the best. They had a crack Allegedly. of the best and they missed out. And now they're going for Cameron Smith. And good luck to them. I hope it works out well. <sighs> All right. So, um, the Storm side of things, obviously. <laughs> they said that uh, they'll ramp up their contract talks when he returns from World Cup duty. But they are they're aware of the family issues that could deliver the hooker after the Broncos. We appreciate and respect the fact it's a massive decision for Cameron and his family, uh, said Frank Penacy, I believe it's pronounced. But absolutely <laughs> Best no name decision, ever. But absolutely no decision has been made on where Cameron, Cameron will play from 2015 onwards. He will tell us in due course, and we dispute a decision has already been made. Oh, I can't see him playing anywhere but Melbourne, to be quite honest. Oh, I think, you, know, you could do Broncos. I mean, because the Broncos are a club that's declined massively, and they're looking to throw money at the problem, you know, in, in, in the vain hope of trying to, you know, get themselves back up to the top. I'm saying they'll, they'll lose Hoffman, Harris, and whoever else they have to lose before they lose Cam Smith. You reckon? Absolutely. All right. And, uh, and five, that's because Craig Bellamy says so. Yeah. In my opinion. So, Fi Lower is in a bit of a spot. He um, only played seven games for North Queensland in 2013, and he asked for an early release from his contract. And um, and we were told confidentially by someone who uh, who knows uh, Fi Law personally that it was because of a issues with um, Neil Henry that he that Neil Henry wasn't intending to play him inside. So, at the time, Neil Henry was still the coach in North Queensland. <laughs> he got sacked. Cowboys started going okay, but. Um, Fifi Law, he uh, he's joined the Gold Coast on a two-year deal. Uh, admitted his time with the Cowboys didn't end well, and he was keen for a fresh start. Only problem is, 
that uh, the Cowboys have a new assistant coach. It just Henry. happens to be Neil Henry. <laughs> exactly. So, but then Fifi Lawyer, I mean, you can't really say anything else, can he? But he's saying he's not treating the presence of Henry on the new team's coaching staff as a problem. He said, I had talks with him before he was even coming. What a weird way of him and me coming here in the same year. He was good to me last year, so hopefully he is this year as well. I don't blame him for not playing me last year. Hopefully it's a new story. He uh, <laughs> was, was good to him, but he didn't play him. He's, he's sending mixed messages here. Yeah, exactly. And he, said, he goes on to say he's not expecting to immediately oust incumbent wingers David Mead and Kevin Gordon at the Titans, but is hoping to find a spark after a tough time in Townsville. Everyone here wants to play NRL and get up to that scratch, so hopefully I can once again. And uh, he joins Maurice Blair, Siatonga, Licky Licky, Paul Carter, and Christian Hazard as the new Titans recruits in 2014. And they begin pre-season training on Monday. I think he's a good player. Fi-Fi Law? Yeah, he's all right. I think he can... Um... I think he's, you know, depending on how, um, if, if Caesar still continues his progression. Yep. Uh, I think his kicking game is, is definitely suited to someone like Fi-Fi Law. Um, he's, he's high and wide kicks. Whereas Mead's probably much more of a speed, so got good footwork, um, good positional play, but he's, you know, he's shorter than Fi-Fi Law, I think. Mm-hmm. And Fi-Fi Law's got a, a good jump and he's very good in the air, so... Um, maybe that's a selling point for him to to play a bit of first grade. But um, if Bellamy really was, the, if Bellamy, if Henry really was the reason he wasn't playing first grade in North Queensland, uh, he could be up against it. Although the assistant coach won't, you know, have as much say. Yeah, but there's got to be a reason, and if the reason why he wouldn't play, I mean, if that's you know he's a poor trainer or his attitudes X, Y, or Z, and from what I understand, it's personal. Right. Wasn't no. anything he did, but you know that's coming from a source. Could be relayed to to, uh, to John Cartwright in a in a fashion that would make him think twice about picking him. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So lastly, this is not news, but um, just want to talk about the uh, the the World Cup. Have you seen many of the World Cup matches? Uh, mostly highlights, but I, I watched the Australia game. But um, yep. Actually, I was. I think I was. so far it, it's been fairly well received. I, th- I think it's been great so far. I mean, good to um, see the Kumuls, uh It's been competitive. Competitive. It's been um, competitive in pretty much all all the, the matches. I actually would have I actually would have thought the PNG would have won that match, but there you go. Um, let's let's just talk briefly about some of the, some of the stuff in there. Uh, we spoke about um, Sam Burgess and his and his coat hanger on, on uh, or his high tackle on, sure. on Sam Friday. Sunny Bill tripping over the dead wall, yeah, slipping was, over the. That was hilarious. But with the Kangaroos game. I thought we were extremely average because we field an extremely average side. I mean, like, you know, in a world where, you know, Brent Tate can can play can, for Australia. Can oust Michael Jennings. Absolutely ridiculous. And yet, despite that, and despite having no lead-up games or any of that sort of thing, you know, they still got it done. It was almost a template for international football over the last how many, you know, how mm. many years. The, 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 the international side gets out to a lead, looks great. Australia run them down by the end, and you know, and win it fairly comfortably. Um, and England got a try at the death too, that you know, to make that scoreline look a lot better than it was. Flattered them a little, didn't it? Yeah. Now the Fiji drilled Ireland. No surprise there, really. As no. far as I'm concerned. Ireland. The problem with Ireland is that I was watching this game, and I was just thinking, like, Ireland had so they had penalties, and they had so much ball, they could have come back uh, at the time, and the scores were much closer. But they're Irish. They had no fucking idea of what to do with the ball. Like they had no attack at all; they were absolutely useless. Um, looking again, I didn't see the uh, the France versus PNG game. Sound exciting though? Yeah, it was like I said. It's good to see the the Kumuls competitive and not see them get blown off a park. Yep. 
as yep. you would expect if they played against you know some of the the uh, more notable sides such as Australia. But um, France just squeaked them out nine eight, and um, and then the Kiwis did have a solid victory even without uh, Sonny Bill having scored that try. And um, pretty tough game. They bashed yeah, each other. Yeah, I, 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 some, I did really well as, as well. And probably the score, I probably, I think it it, 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 it was probably a closer game. I think the running of the game was probably closer than the scoreline. Yeah, you know, it wasn't three tries. Yeah, three converted tries. You know, that far apart. But Sonny Bill, obviously, with the the probably the most repeated video highlight, you know, <laughs> in the World Cup at least to date, where he uh, made a break about twenty meters out. Carted it over the line easily, uh, no defenders around him. He sort of started slowing down, and as he went to put the ball down, slipped on his ass, dropped it. Oh, he put his foot over the dead ball. Yeah, yeah. his foot. He slipped over. His foot slipped over. Hit the line. Obviously, he put the brakes on. Wet surface. Slipped over on his ass. Foot's gone dead. Dropped the ball, and yeah, pretty embarrassing. I didn't see this game live, and then people are blowing up, going, "Oh, laughing about you know Sonny Bill." And I was like, "Oh, this is going to be fantastic," and I must admit, it didn't. It didn't live up to what I thought, what I had it in my head, but it was still pretty embarrassing. <laughs> um, game the, this morning, <clears throat> Tonga went down twenty six twenty four to Scotland. A Scotland aside, not jam packed with NRL players. No. It has to be said. Peter Wallace is guiding his side around. I tell you these things, and you think, "Wow, Tonga's going to destroy them." Exactly. Uh, when we were sort of briefly talking about, you know, in the lead up to the World Cup, we were sort of saying that like, Tonga had great backs, amazing backs, and big backs as well. You know, amazing forwards as well. Unheard of and unknown halves, and uh, that really did show. In the second half, especially the last 20 minutes of this game, when Tonga were roaring back into the game, they they would get the ball. Like, you know, they, the, Scotland would kick on the last tackle. They'd kick it down, you know, to within sort of 10 metre zone. Uh, Tonga would pick it up, and within the set of six, they've carted it down 10 metres out, and they're having one or two cracks at the line at the end of their set. That's how easily they're making territory. Mm. The only thing is, their only tactic was, I'm just going to, you know, just pass it to, like, you know, Harrell. Let him smash it through. Pass it to someone, you know, like Sikamani. Let him smash it through. Yeah, guys like that. that. Creativity in the hearts. Yeah, they had four disallowed tries, and um, despite the fact that Shane Hayne and uh, and Klein was in the box, didn't really have a problem with the uh, decisions. And it came down to the very last play of the game too, because once again Tonga attacking. They actually got the lead twenty four twenty off one of the most ridiculously arsy tries you'll ever mm. see, which involved a bomb that was dropped by Scotland. Ball comes out to the right. Um, I think it was Conrad Hurrell. He's just, he's kicked the ball off the ground, and he's just launched it and uh, gone across field, almost directly sideways. Players were on side, or made their way back behind the where the ball was kicked to put themselves on side. Um, came across to a player on the left hand side. He made the break down the left hand touchline, passed it in. Willie Manu scored the try, and they were leading twenty four twenty with about I think about nine minutes to go. And uh, Scotland got down. They had nothing. They were out. Um, they had nothing, but I can't remember who the guy was that scored, but he scored the squeakiest, barely scored try ever where he was brought down before the line and he was brought down pretty much... The, the ball just caught, after video referee scrutiny, just caught the white line a little bit to be awarded a try and uh, they kicked the goal and that made it 26-24. Tonga, last play, they were, they were attacking down the um, the right-hand side. I believe it may have ended up with... I think it was Sikamano at the end, I can't remember. But... um. The player, the Tonga player, got over the line and rather than try and ground the ball, he tried to throw it backwards. And so the ball's kind of come out and, and rolled around on the ground about, you know, 10 centimetres inside the in-goal area. And a Scotland player's kind of, you know, torso 
grounded or whatever. And uh, they ultimately ruled no try, and that was the game. So, uh, yeah, disappointing for Tonga because they're going to have to win all the rest of their games handsomely to give themselves any chance because this was a true upset. Oh, absolutely. And and Tonga seemed to be uh, reasonably favoured in yeah. the tournament to, to be that side, as we mentioned, to, um, t- you know, to maybe squeak into the top four, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, with games against Italy work to do now, coming up, you'd think they could probably uh, get two wins there. Yeah. But, you know, they could probably rack some points up on Cook Islands. But, you know, Italy, the last team we'll talk about, 32-16 winners over Wales. Not bad. Tedesco. Hot sauce. Carved them up. Bolognese of Rugby League. What does that exactly mean? I mean, you said it on Twitter, but I, 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 I didn't think to ask it's you Rugby League that. Bolognese. I think it's, it, it speaks for mean? itself. It means it's... You know, he's uh, he's an old-fashioned favourite. Slow cooked, slow cooked beef and pork mix in in like a tomato-based. He's sauce. an old-fashioned favourite that goes down easy over the try line. <laughs> <laughs> and that is our rugby league wrap-up for the 2013 World Cup. And that's about as much as it gets to because given this is the last episode. The World Cup will be done and dusted. But, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy it. And the time zone thing isn't as much of an issue as I anticipated it would be. Because I'm finding a lot of the games are, you know, sort of 6 o'clock in the morning, mm. sort of kick off, which is great. So, I mean, that, that that works for me. I'm usually up at that time. And, you know, if you, you miss a little bit, you know, you certainly catch the vast majority of the games. So, sure. oh, good. But I think the one takeaway from the first batch of games we've seen, England are done. They know better than they've ever... Than, than, no. they're, they're going to be the third team this year. If, you know, out of Australia, New Zealand, England, England are not overtaking the Kiwis on, on this occasion. Australia can get it done. I mean, yeah, them and the Kiwis weren't fantastic. There's a lot of improvement both of those guys need. Um, you know, surprise packet, Scotland. How far can they go? I mean, Italy? Given they're playing... Italy? Italy, I mean, like, well... They're actually playing Scotland, when is it? On the 4th, so it's a couple of days away now. But that Scotland versus Italy game shaping up is probably the uh, the playoff to win that pool because uh, both of them have uh, have good wins. Yeah. Admittedly, uh, Italy will probably have to yet face Tonga, which is going to be tough for them because Tonga are going to be wanting to win you know, all their games and, and you know, win them well. And I think there's only a few adjustments Tonga need to you know, get some more tries on the board. But... Um, and we haven't seen the USA yet. I think the the USA are playing. Oh, is it tomorrow? Tonight? Did you hear about the USA? I was a big fan of uh, you know, Apple Pope and Taco Pope, as we mentioned. You know, the Pope family, with, mm-hmm. you know, all their spinach all lasagna, the, Pope. All, all, all their delicious branches on their family tree. Sure. Not playing. Not in the squad. Captain and best player of the US side played all their qualifying matches. Not selected. Why? NRL imports. Really? Yeah. And also, I've read, fuck does that work? I've read that there was a two. Well, because they, you know, they brought in like you know, you know, Joseph Paulo and Ed Pettiborn and fucking these guys from the NRL. But he's you know. the captain. Yeah. How's he not get a run? And their best player in all their qualifiers got him into the World Cup for the first time. They've got to be filthy. Cup. Get him on the show. Oh, let's interview him. You'd have to be filthy. And I also heard that some sort of I didn't realise, but there's some sort of schism in in rugby league in the states, like two different, like there's USARL and the. AM, oh, AMRL like and like USARL players weren't considered to be in the US side for the World Cup mm. and I think maybe you know like the you know, Apple Pope side is you know maybe one of those something like that either way it's fuckery 
Absolutely. I would have backed the USA as my team outside of Australia. Any team with Apple Pope in it. I mean, to see Apple and Taco combining... To score tries. Hat-tricks each. Revelations of the tournament. I've got no doubt. And then, you know, spinning it out wide to their speedy brother, Spinach Lasagna Pope, on the wing. And Pepsi lines up the conversion. Sensational. The fucking smorgasbord of rugby league deliciousness. While Dentine and Cinnamon Tea cheer on from the grandstands. (laughs) 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 At least Spinach Lasagna Pope was realistic. No, no, you don't understand. Those two I just said are actually further up the family tree, like probably aunties or something of of apple and, and taco. Are you fucking serious? Cinnamon dash letter T. That was one of them. And dentine. Cinnamon yeah, tea a wrapper? Cinnamon tea pope? Well, you'd think that, you know, the cinnamon, that, that the, the career path's probably laid out for them. but Stripper no, or know. rapper, that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Depending on gender. Yeah, or porn star, yeah. 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 Whore. Yeah, something of that nature. Wow. Yeah, sorry, Apple. <laughs> Your eyes are <laughs> Okay, it's that time again for the next edition of Hits and Misses, as we call the episode. Basically, uh, the first episode of each season, we make some fearless predictions. This started, obviously, in our very first episode of the show ever, where things like, you know, the revelation of the season and all this sort of shit, you know, all came to the fore yep. for the first time. And, uh, you know, you had a little song about Lottie as well. Do you remember the Lottie dance? Uh, shake your dreads, flex your buys, score some tries. Didn't do a lot of that. Do the Lottie. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, and he proceeded to shake his dreads. Didn't see a lot of flexing in the buys. I'll be he honest. He didn't need to. They're in permanent flex mode. With the, with the broken arm and you know, the elbow <laughs> injuries and stuff that he was carrying. And uh, scoring tries. Whew. I don't know what the final figure was. Did he even score 10 tries across his entire tenure at the West Tigers? He scored enough. Just didn't <laughs> score them in any multiples of three. Enough. He scored enough to do for what? To win a premiership? No. He scored one. Look, at the end of the day, the man scored with his first touch back in the NRL against Manly. Yeah, you game over. Yeah, sort of. How many grand finals did he get into? (laughs) Two less than Manly. (laughs) 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 So I guess the last laugh was had. Um, But anyway, and we had like, who's going to be the revelation? You know that sort of thing that you invented, the, the revelation thing. But um. Well, I demanded that Lottie be called... Be recognised as a... revelation from the first episode. Exactly, exactly. So, um, what we'll do, we made the same fearless predictions at the start of this season, in our very first episode, uh, the, uh, I think it was episode uh, 111, Chad Sexington, featuring uh, the delicious Matt Lenevez as well. And uh, we made some... Gorgeous, man. We made some predictions. We started at the team that finished worst uh, in season 2012, and worked our way up the ladder. And uh, did you just, hear? Yeah. Speaking of our friend Matt Lenovitz, that uh, due to the uproar over him being um, killed off mm-hmm. from the from offspring, mm-hmm. uh, there's talk of him coming back as a ghost. Fuck off! Season. That's not real. That's what I heard. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you could do. I'm like, in the know. So it's going to be like Dexter or something, where like you know, just just you know, just giving her advice and stuff. 
That'd be awkward if she goes on to bang the next guy. Oosh. <laughs> Offspring. Yes. Okay, so the last team in 2012 was the last team, obviously, in this year. Did we pick them to be the last team? Uh, we're talking about, of course, the Parramatta Eels. Well, I'd like to start off by saying it's a little bit early for Ricky Stewart, who, of course, takes the reins this season at Parramatta. It's too early for him to do too much with this team. Um, I think perhaps by the time that he can do something with the team that and a roster that he has assembled around him, I think the Parramatta board, as is their way, will have probably have had enough of him and uh, will be ready to fire him. So I think Ricky's on a hiding to nothing, but... Um, no real losses and gains to speak of, so to speak. Um, yeah. Uh, with the exception, of course, of Nathan Hindmarsh. Um, as Big far loss as there. losses go, he's he's retired. Um, no more Hindmarsh means no more defence, I think. Um, Birdie retired as well. And he yeah. was a good player for him. Yeah, I guess. I, I'm, I was never a big Luke Burt fan, but he was, he was a good clubman for Parramatta. I predict the Eels to have the worst defence in the comp. I just with with Hindmarsh gone, that's a massive hole. Yep. And you look through their roster, I don't see anyone that really is going to be putting their hand up to fulfil that role. Yep. So put a number to it, Eels. I've gone finishing eleventh. Eleventh is still fucking improvement. It is, but geez, there's some teams that are going to be shit this year too. Yeah, well, you're just going on then just to go, so they're going to have the worst defence in the comp and slate them, and then you're going to let them go five spots up the ladder? All right. That's your prerogative. You can do that. I just want to make sure it's not a typo. Yeah, you should, you should wait to hear what I've got to say about some other teams. All right. I've got them in 14th, and um, and I will group teams into you know into these groupings of teams that I think are, you know, there are, there are a couple of groups that could be really variable, but um, whether they get the spoon or not, they could, it's, I, I think they're one of the possible spooners, but I've got them in 14th position anyway, so it's certainly in the bottom four. So, what we have there is we, you actually... It was, it was fairly real talk you had against Parramatta initially, um, and then... And then I got high on Renny Matua. <laughs> and, and, uh, and miraculously boosted them up to, to 11th position. I mean, like, I, was, you know, I wasn't accurate with 14, but I, I mean, I did sort of say they were in a group of four teams that could go on dead last. Sure. So I'll give, I'll give myself a little, like, a, a sliver of credit, unfortunately incorrect, though, on the pick of 14. Um, and gee, some of the stuff, like, you know... You, you, oh. I mentioned quality and Willie Tonga in the same sentence. Did he? How much first grade did he play? He was playing for Wentworthville did, there. Yeah, did he play any? Jeez. I mean, there was... It, and, like, I mean, of, you know, the, the fact that Ricky Stewart wasn't going to be there for very long, I'm dead on with that. Yeah, yeah, sort, sort of right. I mean, you said the board was going to get sick of him. It was vice versa, really. True. Um, but, yeah, um, that's a pretty poor start for you, I'd like to say. I mean, yeah, like, I was kind of... I don't think it gets but... a lot better, let me tell you. So, next, on the ladder... Consequentially, the old Penny Panthers. It's clear that Gus and, and Ivan Cleary have obviously got a vision there. Um, I really think they're still probably a season away from, from getting anywhere near that vision, but they are trying to work their roster around the type of guys that, that they see are going to carry their, their philosophies um, that they have in mind for the club out on the field. Um, they're probably short a real quality 
unpredictable sort of playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Walsh is a good halfback, and he does have his, his good patches of form. It just he's not a. You wouldn't even say he was a Chris Sandow as far as his individual attacking brilliance. Um, you know, there's talk of him signing first, and that that's the sort of thing that will get him over the hump. Yeah. Um, I think those again those those buys that they have made. Um, I'm keen to see how those guys fit into the to what the culture that they're trying to build, and to watch them slowly evolve. Um, over the next probably season and a half into a competitive side. I don't know that they're going to be uh, that competitive this season, mainly because of their lack lack of playmakers. Um, you know, they've lost their main strike weapon in Jennings as well. But look at the loss of the lost players. Michael Gordon, Luke Lewis, Michael yep. Jennings, Harry Seeker, Nafe Luini, Shandor Earl, Travis Burns, Mitch Achurch. Just, yeah. You look at some of those names in there, Gordon, All those Lewis, players Jennings can walk straight in into first grade in any club out in Penrith. Um, I've got the Panthers finishing second last. I have them finishing 13th. So what's that, third last? Yes. Fourth last. So, look off the mark again. Yeah. I don't know if I can go through this show. It's It's making me look like a complete dickhead. I I had a bit of a listen earlier. I mean, like... Yeah, I, I really loved it in, 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 in what was it, 2011? Because everything I said was almost right. Because, I mean, a lot of what we base, what we say, is like our own team stuff. So if our own team actually does win, then it's just fucking, it's you happy look like days. like a genius. You look like a genius, exactly. Um, but in this case, case, yeah, not so much. Yeah, I mean, so what, they ended up finishing 10th, didn't they? Yeah. And, uh, well, I had them at 13th, so that's not too bad. What did you have them in? Uh, second last. Second last, yeah, not good, not good. Okay, so the next team, the uh, team to finish 14th in uh, 2012 was the New Zealand Warriors, and um, I'm sure that we, you know, potentially predicted... Actually, no, I forgot Matty Elliott. So maybe we did predict Doom and Gloom. I guess we'll find out. You only have to look back to the, the Penrith Panthers train wreck uh, under the uh, tutelage of Matthew Elliott for... for a real good indication of the Warriors season prediction. And the position of where that club is now, still trying to recover from that train wreck. Um, I've got him finishing 13th. And when you, you think about Matthew Elliott, he was possibly one of the h- highest credentialed, or at least Coach uh, of the future. held in very high esteem by the media um, when he was at Canberra. Yep. And wow. I've got him 12th. So, yeah, similar to you. So... Yeah, yeah, we we're not too too dissimilar at the moment, actually. With our uh... other than para, yeah. So there you go, close. You're almost dead on. Um, the Warriors. You're did... only one place further away, too. So look, the Warriors um, showed some signs last season that, um, well, you know, this season just gone. That uh, Matthew Elliott. Might have uh, shown, got a bit more out of him than what we expected. So, um, Sean Johnson had a, had a good season, and uh, a lot of their forwards as well. But the future of the Warriors, you know, does do they do they take a major dip next season? I guess we'll find out. But I just you just never can really rest too easy with Matt Elliott coaching your side, surely. Yeah, maybe so. But I mean. <laughs> You know, that run they had to be talking about, I mean, it was like it was like a run and it was like about five wins in a row, yep. six wins in a row, and they were looking great and that was probably for the whole and season. that was the difference between yeah. them finishing, you know, probably... In, in the eight, you know, yeah. versus, you know, where they ultimately ended up. You look at the 
the Roosters side. On paper. Pretty good list. Jennings and Kenny Dowell in the centres. And yeah. you've got Maloney and um, Mitchell Pearce Mitchell slinging P- them the yeah. ball. And then forwards like Sonny, Luke O'Donnell, um, Letters. Yep. Jake Friend. It's a, and Mini, of course, at the back. Pretty good side if they can put it together. I think the biggest yep. question mark is their coach. Um, Trent Robinson had better have a plan for a roster of this calibre. Yep. Uh, Nick Politis is notoriously impatient. Um, and I just... I, I don't know who's had the best recruitment, either the Roosters or the Sharks. Um, I, I probably lean towards the Roosters, but uh, I've got them finishing seventh. I have them finishing eighth. So once again, Not too we're, far within, we're within one. So yeah, I didn't mention actually the next one up was the was the Chookies and um, yeah, you were closer than I were, but you know oh, there's just no, there's no love to be taken out of anywhere there. I mean, we both had a fairly Luke O'Donnell anyway. might be a, a more important boy than Sonny Bill Williams. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the, and we we barely mentioned anything to do with letters as well, like and and the breakout season he had was you know like he was fucking Absolutely. incredible. He was you know second best prop in the game. Probably he had some had some doubts over uh, Trent Robinson, which he dispelled and. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, we undersold the Roosters, despite that we talked up their recruitment and then undersold their position on the ladder. Exactly, that was the thing. What we, what we were actually saying about it was, it was you know, fairly good, I thought, but um, then we just put a number on it and it was fucking well, well away, well away. Okay, so in 12th last year, we had the Newcastle Knights, and um, I think that I'm going to be pretty close on this one, because I think I did, you know, rate them, a, you know, probably where they finished, like bottom half of the eight kind of size, so I guess we'll find out. I think time will tell for the Knights if if resurrecting the Dragons of 2010 will spell success in 2013. Um, is the game evolving at a rate that's going to leave Newcastle behind before Bennett's finished? That's that's my concern for them. Um, and how will that affect Tinklow? Which then, you know, what does that do the, to the dynamic of Tinklow and Bennett? So. Yep. Um, I think he's on the right track, and I think they'll finish about sixth. To be honest. Um, more mainly because of those signings, Scott and Smith. I think they leaked too many points and they got really soft at points in games. And I think both Scott and Jeremy Smith are exactly the type of guys that will stop that from happening. So, uh, yeah, I think they're they're in for a decent season. And once again, we continue the trend. I've got them seventh. There you go. So I just don't think they're going to improve quite as much as you say. Finally, hit one, direct hit. Seventh for the Knights. Well picked. And well, you said sixth, didn't you? So I mean, yeah, close. I was. I wasn't. Uh, obviously, it was pretty close, but uh, you were dead on the money. All right. Uh, next one. Eleventh last season. It was the Gold Coast Titans. And uh, get ready for a big, big incorrect pick from me. I can't remember what you did, but I remember very clearly what I did. Um. Now next, the Titans. It's amazing to think that after the season they had and the season preceding that, that they finished uh, sixth last. But there you go, they did. And this year, I feel it may be uh, somewhat less successful. Yeah, I've, I think the the biggest factor for the Titans, other than the player exodus, is going to be a lack of discipline this season. Yeah. Um, I, I've got a feeling they'll be the most ill-disciplined side in the NRL. They've got uh, Mark Minicello, Dave Taylor, Greg Bird and Nate Miles. Um, who've all had their moments with referees in past seasons, especially in the ruck. Yep. Um, Idris, who's just generally like you know lazy. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah but you look at Bird and Miles are going to be their leader, their mm. leaders, co-captains. Um, it just doesn't... It doesn't augur well for a disciplined squad. Uh, and given their young, inexperienced halves, they really need to be at the opposite end of the spectrum there yeah. um, to get the most out of their season. Um, because putting those young, inexperienced halves under pressure with lots of penalties is going to spell disaster. Yep. Um, and I think that's ultimately what their season's going to be, is a big disaster. Um, I think their pack will ultimately hold their own, um, especially in attack, uh, with obviously Taylor... Um, Miles will be his, his usual sort of self in attack, just cutting the ball forward. Um, but I just don't know that their halves are going to be able to build pressure and put points on when they need it. Um, and all those players left for a reason. I think it's going to be a long year, and I've got them finishing last. And ding, ding, ding. So do I. 16th place, the Titans. So, I knew what I had selected. I knew that I'd, I remembered that clearly after being reminded from Titans fans through the season that, <laughs> that I'd selected them to come dead last. You, however, I forgot. I thought you would have more sense on that issue. But... Well, clearly, I don't have more sense. And, uh, you know, I questioned their halves. Albert Kelly really came on, and Caesar had a great season. It was the least of their problems. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly right. And, um, look, they finished just out of the eight, and we're in it right up until the last few rounds. Um couldn't quite get it done to, to make the finals, but they're a long way off last place. Definitely, definitely. Okay, next uh, team, you know, very close to your heart. Tenth place last season, uh, the West Tigers. Oh, I think I've got a feeling what you're going to say, and uh, now we'll see what I have to say. Say for a head case, a head case of a former coach, a couple of fringe first graders, and and an injury prone pom, we have exactly the same side that experts would say would win the comp last season. Um, Brayton Astor. There's really no Ed reason Petty why Warren, we won't do Bodine it. Sands Astor. I haven't finished. There's really no reason why we can't do it Sands Asterisk in 2013. So you're going to put a number on that? Oh, we'll get to that. I've got a few more points here I'd like to make, Nathan, but I, th- I, I thought uh, I'd let you have your say. I just wanted to basically just run over the gains and losses. So Brayton Astor in, uh, Ed Pettyborn, Bodine Thompson. Then we move down, you know, to lesser lights, Jack Buchanan and James Gabbett. Losses. Gareth Ellis, absolute man crush of yours for the history of this show so far. Very you much act so. like you've never seen the guy in your life. You've never heard of him. Well, I didn't see him much last year. He was too injured. Yeah. Bo Ryan. Hino. And then we go to Junior Moore's Tom Humble, who was, you know, the fucking next coming of... No, no, no. You got me mixed up with someone else there. I don't know. <laughs> Dane Chisholm saw the light. And, uh, He's going to man. Yeah. <laughs> and John Grant to rugby union. So you look at the, you know, if you had a scale there of the guys that lo- you know left and the guys that have come in, much heavier the guys that left. Oh, much look, at heavier. the end of the day, Braith Nastor cancels out Gareth Ellis. Um, <laughs> and then you've got, you know, Petty Bourne and, and Thompson, two young up-and-coming players, you know, in the, place of, in the place of guys that were on the downhill slide. I, I don't have an issue with that. Um, I think Brayton Astor's already proven his worth in the off-season. He, he did a lot of the media work. He, he fronted press conferences and media sessions uh, and has taken a lot of the pressure off Benji and Robbie to to be the faces of the club in the wake of the whole Sheen situation. So I think he's, he's already been worth his weight in gold there. Um, you know, played his first game for the club, got two tries. Um don't really have a major issue with what Braith's bringing to the table at the moment. 
Last season you did. When he signed, he was announced you did. That's last season's last season, Nathan. We're here put to talk up, about the future. I think everyone just needs to settle the fuck down. I think Mick Potter's got this. Um, he's, <laughs> I mean, the man's had incredible success wherever he's gone. Um, you put that, you know, in tandem with Jacob Miller, who's probably in line to have an Adam Reynolds type year um, to bring the trophy <laughs> back where it belongs. I think by mid-season, Tim Moulton will be a super sub, uh, which is his rightful place in the squad. And, and Hot Sauce... Jimmy Tedesco will be the Rookie of the Year and the Tigers will finish first. What a fucking load of bullshit. I believe every word of it. I believe every word you say, but my result, you know, I, I added all that up as well and I came up with 10th. <laughs> I can't believe that you have the audacity I did have to him. host a rugby league podcast I did have clearly know nothing about rugby I league. I did have him in ninth. To your credit, but then I then I saw all the other teams in the competition and I couldn't find a place for him in the top nine. <laughs> Watching your face as your words were coming back at you. <laughs> it was like someone like, sticking oh, knives like, in know, me. Like rookie of the year to Desco and like Tim Molson's gonna be a superstar. And another thing, like you know, that Jacob, Jacob Miller, Miller, he was gonna be like out of oh, Reddit. Fuck, it wasn't even in the country halfway through the season. Oh man, and of course, I mean, you know, I always knew, I always remembered that you were going to go with the delusional first place finish because you've been like that since day one of the show. You haven't tried to be the least bit realistic in your expectations for your side. (laughs) But um, yeah, first... Realistic in my own mind, but uh, Uh, look, it turns out that I was a little off the mark. Um, Possibly more off the mark than you've ever been in the history of the show. Braithen Astor, I talked Braithen Astor up. Yeah, you Jacob did. Miller was going to be the revelation. Tedesco, rookie of the year. Yep, oh. yep, yep. Tim Moulton, a super sub. Super sub. What the fuck? I said it. I said, what the fuck are you thinking? Honestly, what the fuck were you thinking? Next up, St. George, Elora Dragons. So, 10th. 10th for the Tigers. Next, Dragons. This will be fun. Oh... Ben Cray, captains aside, I think enough said, really. Yeah, yeah. Lost, uh, you know, some some toughness in uh, Bo Scott. I, I think they're the same side in attack, um, and that's sad. But they've, on top of that, they've also had their heart in Dean Young, their soul in Ben Hornby, and their their attitude in Bo Scott ripped out. Um, all that's left is Jamie Soud and Ben Cray. Yeah. That's, all, that's really all that needs to be said. I think people can guess from there. I I, th- I think Dragons fans want Steve Price to be a good coach, but the reality is I don't think you'll have a job past Origin. I wouldn't disagree with that, but I also a coach. The best coaches, such as you know Wayne Bennett, Mick Potter, guys like that, they change the style of game that a team plays to suit their roster, the strengths and weaknesses of their roster, and. Um, I don't think he's going to have any new ideas based on what I saw last season, and I think they'll finish 14th. Well, you actually got them uh, a little bit better off than me. I might pick them second last, 15th. Well, direct turns hit for out, you. Turns out I do know exactly what I'm talking about. Direct hit for you, and uh, just one off. I mean, if it wasn't for those uh, pesky Tigers, <laughs> <laughs> they would have <laughs> they would have been the irony. The Tigers being shitter than I expected... Got that prediction right for me. Yeah, and actually the fact that, you know, not only were they shit, they were, they were so shit 
that they're actually shitter than the Dragons, a team that we just dumped on in the in the whole uh, lead up. So thanks for pointing that out. But it's a direct hit for you, so you know, hey, be happy. Okay, next. Who's next? We're moving our way into we moving our way into the eight yet? Who we got next? Let me look at this list of twenty twelve. We are the Brisbane Broncos. Now, look, I'd love to kick the, I'd love to put slippery Broncos. So let's hope I did, hey, and uh, got this one a bit correct. Can That's you put a like number on the Broncos? Tenth. Tenth. I've got them in ninth. And uh, the reason is basically, yeah, I think that, <laughs> basically because you had the West Tigers in tenth, and you couldn't put two teams in tenth. Yeah, yeah, and because I think the Broncos, are, you know, they scraped into the eight last year as a wounded and you know busted side, and they blasted out pretty quickly. And um, and yeah, I think the Broncos, I think their lineup's actually worse this year. I don't think Prince has got much to offer. I think he's uh, well and truly peaked years ago, probably two thousand five. He's been on the downhill slide ever since, and this will be a continuation of that. And when you lose your heart and soul players like Big Petro, I mean, you can try and manufacture heart and soul players like Thido and stuff. Not really, you know. Like, you know, uh, Corey Parker, he's, you know, kind of, but, you know, not influential enough on a game to, you know, be that kind of guy. So when your heart and soul player that you've got left is uh, Peter Wallace, who's like an import, and he's a ranger, so by, very, by definition he doesn't have a soul. <laughs> uh, you know, you're a soul aside, and you're going to finish worse than you did the previous season, ninth. I just like to say that everything I said then was a hundred percent correct, except for the number I signed. Exactly. I had the the Wallace thing. I said the Prince was shit. I just they had no heart and soul players. That was unbelievable, and I wish that I just could have uh, foreseen that they were actually going to be shit at the I mean, I think Turns I, out they finished twelfth, and uh, I mean, I was happy to put them out of the eight. I think I think my my motivation was look, I'm going to put the Broncos out of the eight, but where can I put them? And then where other teams fell, and the Broncos landed in this in the the ninth spot. But ultimately, what was it? Twelfth. Mm. So, uh, yeah, not. I mean, correcting what I said, but terribly, terribly wrong with the number, unfortunately. So next up, seventh team last year. Cronulla Sutherland Sharks bought very well in the off season leading into this season, and uh, I predict that means that um, they may end up be slightly more inflated than they should be on our on our uh, preseason predictions. What do we got with Sharkies? I've, I I've got the, the Sharkies being big improvers this season. Bigger than Easts. Oh, considering where they on finished, the ladder, yeah, East where, where East yeah. finished last year is probably they probably just pipped them. But um, again, I've, I've sort of commended them on their recruitment earlier when we were talking about the Roosters. Um, you know, Hyington adds to you know adds to their pack. Luke Lewis is a big buy. Michael Gordon's a big buy, um, and I think they Luke Lewis not only for his work ethic, but also um, brings another element of creativity to their attack. Michael Gordon as well. Um, I think uh, whether he plays wing or fullback, I think he his attacking game uh, and support play, not to mention his goal kicking, yep. um, adds another element to the Sharkies. Um, and I think their pack is going to be the equal of any in the comp. Um, they've got probably the most inspirational leader, um, in, in the NRL in Paul Gallen. Um, I think the biggest... And I know they, they did quite well last season with Jeb, Jeff Robson at halfback, but can he put that again uh, together again and take it to another level? At some point, he's going to, you know, yeah, get every last especially. drop rung out of his career. Yeah. Um, 
Having said that, I think with the buys that they've made and on the back of Paul Gallen, I think they'll finish third. I have not finishing sixth. So improvement, but not big improvement. And that's no, no knock on the Sharkies. It's really more just the quality of the teams that uh, I think are above them. For a second there, I thought I was going to be spot on. Saying all the right things. You did fluff really? them up more than they need. What did you say? They were going to be third? Third, yeah. Crazy. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought for a second from what I was saying, I was like, you're going to land right on this, but uh, no, unfortunately not. Close, close though, close. A all good right. season for the Sharkies nonetheless. It was a good season. Second week of the finals and a seven tackle try and yeah, you know, they breaking kind of, records they kind of all asked up their, in here. They asked their way into the into the second round of the finals and then they asked their way out of them with a fucking, uh, who could forget, the uh, the magnificent... Uh, John Morris John, John Morris uh, just just fucking sensational um, but yeah good season nonetheless and uh, they yeah they, they they were a little bit better than I predicted uh, a little bit worse than you predicted next sixth place Canberra Raiders I wonder what we're going to say here because I mean I think we've been burnt by them a lot of times in the past yep. but I bet that we are full of hope and promise again on the table oh, West on this list Oh, no, that's no, right. No, no, they're 10th. They're 10th. Yeah, that's right. They're 10th, and fucking just wait and see. Wait and see. Okay, what have we got? The uh, Raiders. So, very uh, very relevant, given um, Chad Sextington, Matty Linovez, and he's uh, sledging, ruthless sledging of you. Uh, and he's yeah, he hates me. And, he's, and his love of the he's Raiders. He's got nothing to love um, for the man. He's a sexy man. Yeah. But, fuck, he hates me. Um, Canberra. Um, I think they'll score plenty of points. I think yeah. this side's got just as many points as they have douchebags. They got them. they got a lot of douchebags. They've got a lot of um great players. Uh, but the problem with Canberra is the same as it's been probably the last three years. Maybe they're like you know one or two major injuries away from you know spoon contention. But if they can keep a healthy yeah, list the entire season, I think the Camper factor knows? is is bigger this season. Um. We're talking a couple of seasons now where yeah. he hasn't played, you know, for yeah. large, large parts. Yeah. Um, it's not just a matter now of whether he can come back physically, because I think he will. Um, he was never, you know, that explosive pace, you know, or light-stepping yeah. sort of guy where knee injuries, etc., cetera, um, are going to, you know, seriously bring him back to the pack. Um, he's very much a, a guy that, you know, plays uh, with vision and plays with, you know, a smart, he's a smart footballer. Um, whether he can come back mentally to the grind of the NRL and the physicality of it, um, it remains to be seen. He's had a couple of injury-plagued seasons, um, and that does play on some players' minds. Whether it does him or not is going to have a major effect on Canberra's season. Um, having said all that, if Campo does come back, play the whole season, um, he could win Dally M for all I care. They've still got Josh McCrone at halfback, um, and that's never going to win you a comp, so I think they'll finish 12th. And uh, and as has been for you know much of our lists, very similar. I've got him in eleventh position. <sighs> Another prediction. Another incorrect prediction. Not, not far off. Uh, yeah, um, I think Campo probably proved proved me right. I think he, he had a yep. good season. He was consistent, um, and was relatively um, unscathed by injury. So. Unfortunately, uh, their season was was crueled by the Josh Dugan fiasco, in large part, and um, 
yeah, if if he had played a whole season for them, given the way some some of the games he had for the Dragons, where he won them single handedly, um, he could have made a massive difference for the Raiders. But it wasn't to be, and um, you know they're on the road back now. The Raiders off the back of Anthony Milford, should he decide to stay there, and new coach Ricky Stewart. So. And remember, they were still sort of in contention. They just sort of dropped their bundle at the end of the season, yeah. too. I mean, they could have won those games at the end of the season. They would have been probably scraped their way into the finals. But, uh, yeah, as you said, it wasn't to be. And uh, as far as you know, correct tips are concerned, it wasn't to be for us either. Next up is number five in 2012, the North Queensland Cowboys. Um, and who's going to partner him in the halves that could make or break their finals hopes? Uh, obviously, Ray Thompson is a safe, politically correct option. And they've got Robert Louis waiting in the wings. Um, if Ray Ray has a, st- a slow start to the season, um, you know, do they put up with the the criticism of playing Robert Louis? Um, you know, That's under the, question, the guise of we're trying to get his career back on, in his life back on track. Blah blah blah. Um, if Robert Louis returns to his 2010, 2011 um, on the field form, um, <laughs> I'm glad you specified that. He, he, you know, they could they could be one hell of a squad. Yep, they, they could be. And um, what number did you apply to them? Ninth. Ninth. Yes. Cowboys. Yes. Ninth. Well, that's fucking random because they were sixth last year, and I consider them to be improvers this year. So I've actually got them sitting in third. So everything you said indicated actually you know boosting them up the table a little bit. Exactly. But as it turns out you're only one place off. So you were actually closer than I had them for some god fucking knows reason. I had them up in third, and I mean they certainly never clicked and looked a, a chance of getting that close. Turns out sure. they did uh, throw their moral compass overboard mm-hmm. and ran with Robert Louis, and uh, Twitter exploded every week. Yeah. Okay. Next, the mighty Manly Seagulls. Uh, they finished fourth uh, in 2012, and uh, no doubt we're going to uh, see what I thought about that for the 2013 season. Tons of gains. I mean, the people. A lot of people are saying, you know, "Oh, you know, Manly, they've, they've lost so much." Well, let's let's clarify what they've lost. Dean Faro, who's you know, he's a pretty good player for us when he came into the side through injury. Tony Williams, lazy motherfucker. I mean, every Manly fan is glad to see the back of that motherfucker. Shiftless bastard. Uh, Darcy, gotta love Darcy, but he's off to the yields, and you know. Reserve grader. He was, he was, you know, he was, he was, a, he was a decent player, but yeah, he certainly was like a, you know, a reserve or you know, yeah, wasn't the, you know the best probability. Daniel Harrison barely saw any first grade. Fucking him, he's a ranger too. Uh, Michael Oldfield once again through injury gets on the field. Now he's gone to the Roosters and Josh Drinkwater never seen first grade. Going to St George Illawarra and we didn't mention the, you know, the great white hope for them. You know, apparently he's going to be the the halfback that you know saves their lives. No, ridiculous. Then the gains. I mean, we gained. I've already some... got a nickname for him. Thirsty. Yeah. Thirsty. We got. We, we've uh, we've gained some orange peelers in uh, in Essie Tonga, and um and you know, potentially Kane Lawton uh, as well. But Justin Horro, from, from all reports, apparently he's been trained in house down uh, incredibly, and I think he's earned himself a spot in round one side. Richie Fayoso was fantastic last season um, when he moved to the Storm, and and I think he's a good option at prop for a reserve prop. Brenton Lawrence, apparently, he's got a lot of trial time as well and has been looking fantastic. And a couple of the Titans fans I've been uh, chatting to as well, they're like sad to actually lose him. Um, David Gower was a, um, a good up-and-coming uh, prop from uh, St. George. Liggy Sow, uh, one of the players of the um, under-20s. 
Michael Cheekham, another one, fantastic under twenties. James Hassan, once again, that's a that's a, a a young gun that Cronulla didn't want to lose. And we got Peter Hiku. I think he was the actual player. Was he the player of the year for the twenties? And uh, Dane Chisholm uh, returns to returns home from West Tigers. And then uh, Jesse Senny Lafau, who Penrith supporters, you know, were sad to lose. So I think we picked up a lot of good young guys. I think that there's may a few solid guys in there. Yes, yeah. Cheekham, uh, Chisholm, Fai. So solid buys. Well, I think Justin Horro, he has the potential to be one of the buys of the year if he gets the minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, and yeah, the, and some of these guys won't come up from the younger grades probably this season. But you know they're definitely yeah you know, they're guns of the future as well. So this you know this assumption that I see people people see like you know guys like Fare and and uh, and Harrison there's losses really. Tony Williams was a solid first grader, but he only played about seven games for us last season. So Lussick's the only guy that spent a hell of a lot of time on the field for us that we lost. And when you look at the guy you know guys like you know Richie Faioso and Brenton Lawrence, David Gower, Liggy Sauer is a younger guy. I mean we've got him fucking covered. Quite frankly, I mean, you know, if that's a loss, so I think the best thing that can happen to the rest of the NRL is if Manly stays out of the papers, um, they don't have any extended losing streaks, or get any other reason to to be motivated by a backs to the wall mentality, which is when they're at their best. Um, unfortunately, none of that stuff actually has to happen for Manly to get that mentality. Um, they'll just make it up. But um, <laughs> I, I think if if Manly can just you know, you love to say how they fly under the radar, but if they can legitimately fly under the radar because they're just not that good, um, then that's probably a good thing. I think Manly are at their best when they think the world hates them. Um, and if they can avoid that, I just don't know that they're going to find the motivation to do it again. <laughs> they don't need that to motivate them. DCE and Foran working with Joey is a positive step. Exactly. Uh, Joey's there full-time. Um, I think some of the intended targets are probably getting some miles and injuries on the clock. Jamie Lyon in particular um, still, yeah, still right. had a fantastic year last year. He's one hell of a player. Just every player has that dip. Um, Steve Maddow has a similar. He's got a lot of injuries on the clock as well. Um, whether they can start running out the same tight old place to these sort of guys. Um, they've got good young halves, dynamic young halves. But they still need something to work with. And plus, they got like young guys coming through as well. Chisholm got a lot of time in the uh, in the trials, and Hiku got a lot of time in the trials as well. And he's actually named on an extended bench for round one as well, so he's getting uh, injected into the side probably sooner than uh, we would have thought. I've got Manly finishing eighth. I've got them finishing anywhere. I mean, certainly top eight, um, probably somewhere from four to six in my opinion. I'm going to just split the difference and say fifth. But if they stay injury free in key positions, then there's no reason why they can't win it again. So, as far as what you were saying... It was more me just wanting to lay the slippers into Manly a little bit. Exactly, because you're actually saying some some things that turned out to be quite accurate. Justin Horror. Yeah, Justin Horror. I mean, you said he could have been one of the buyers of the year, given the minutes. He was given the minutes, and as it turns out, he was one of the buyers of the year. Um, You know, it's funny, the other guys you named as buyers of the year, they probably played about half a dozen games between them. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but, you know, know, be that as it may... um, Everything I said then was yeah, fairly close. I mean, um, except for the, actually I said that, yeah, anywhere from fourth to six, and I could have picked one of three numbers, and I picked one that uh, wasn't the one that they <laughs> actually ended up. But um, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy with that assessment. I think I was I was very realistic in terms of uh, the um, 
you know, the minor premiership as far as where they'd finish on, on across an entire season. And, uh, you know, that, that, that proved to be true. And uh, what do you know, they actually uh, went a bit further and uh, almost got the grand final left for me. Next, third place in 2012. Very, very fancied side in the 2013 season, the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I reckon you were going to probably tip these guys. Well, no, you already put the Tigers first, haven't you? So what, you're going to have South second then, I'd say. But we'll find out. If Greg England stays fit, I think South are going to give it a real shake. Um, I think they'll finish fifth. Uh, Jeff Lima and Ben Teo, both great buys. Um, and they just really add another dimension. Um, that, and again, it's probably a more consistent dimension than what Dave Taylor bought. I've got them finishing second in the minor premiership. Boom, I hate to be right when it comes to Souths. And that's but, uh, all we need to know about that. But there is another direct hit there. Um, and you had them at fifth. So once again, your talk was all of improvement and, you know, the great buys they had. But you actually tipped them to come two places lower than they finished in 2012. Yeah, well, I had to fit the Tigers in there somewhere. Yeah, that whole, that whole Tigers, Tigers is undefeated Premiers thing, uh, minor Premiers and Premiers, that, that, that really fucks with the, you know, your accuracy. I wonder how many you were one off. <laughs> <laughs> Just on account of the fact that the Tigers push them down at the top. All right, next we had the uh, second place side uh, from 2012. It was the Melbourne Storm. Uh, I have a feeling that I probably overestimated how well they'd, they'd go in 2013, but uh, we'll find out. Uh, they're well coached, they're well drilled, they're methodical um, they've got you know three of the five best players in the game running around in their squad which helps um, I think you can expect more of the same from the Storm but um, as I said before the game does evolve year to year uh, some shifts uh, you know over the course of a season are bigger than others it's just a matter of will the rest of their NRL finally have the Melbourne's uh, the, sorry the Melbourne Storm's number um, and will the game evolve you know, and not take them with it. I just, you know, they're, they're probably the only ifs for Melbourne. If if there's not a big shift in the way the game is played, if people aren't sort of subscribing to the way Canterbury did things last season uh, with that short interchange of passing and, and, you know, the quick men playing at the back of that, um, I think I expect more of the same from the Storm. But in the minor premiership, I think they'll finish fourth. Oh, that's right, because you've got fucking imbecile West Tigers to call it first. I forgot about that. I've got them finishing first on the minor premiership. More of the same. So what were we just saying then? We were saying, <laughs> exactly. How many, how many sides did you push out from the West Tigers if they pushed... If you put them at the top and they pushed everyone underneath them down one spot. And, uh, yeah, guess what? You would have been spot on. Yeah, I wasn't uh, wasn't million miles away, was I? I tell you. No, no, I was I was very very optimistic having them in the. Uh, I just wonder when the storm. Position. Are they a side that you know, much like the Broncos, you know, for a large part of their history, are they a side that doesn't really have a dip, so to speak? It definitely felt like they had a dip. Um, at the tail end of this season. They lost some games. Uh, they came very close to losing some games. They still came, you know, they still finished obviously high on the minor premiership, mm. but uh, yeah, in third place. But then when they got to the finals, they looked pretty tired and, you know, yeah. they, they were shot out, you know, in two straight. So, 
you know, maybe maybe this is their dip coming up. But the thing is, I mean, I think their dips might be just like seasonal things. Like, yeah. You know, through through the course of a season, they'll be they started off like they started off the season really well this year, and um, then they had like a little bit of a dip, you know, towards the end, and yeah, they lost a couple of games in a row. Uncharacteristically, I think they might have set a new streak for, for mm. the amount of losses in a row uh, in that post-Origin period, and um, you know, that's maybe that's as dippy as it gets. They restock the troops over the off season, you know, bring in some guys, lose some guys, get them under the Bellamy system, and uh, you know, more of the same. Robots come out again, yeah. <laughs> okay, next we have the side that finished first in the minor premiership in 2012, and uh, you know, if listeners of the show who listened last year would realise that uh, that was probably the biggest mistake I ever made because I tipped them to get the spoon. In 2012, I mean, you know, it was... It that was, was more out of spite than anything else. It was from a similar place that makes the, to the thing that makes Glenn um, <laughs> pick the West Tigers to come first and win the premiership. Uh, just the reverse of that. But, uh, yeah, I, I've, I, obviously, I've, I've got no recollection of what I put them at this year, but I'm, I'm presuming it was something spiteful again, but yeah, not the spoon. Bulldogs. Minor premiers last year. Gaines. Yes. One, Tony Williams. And let's face it, you know, anyone who watches a game of football last year would realise that that's not actually a gain. That's a fucking detriment to your side. That's, that's point number one. Can they overcome the crippling, crippling acquisition of Tony Williams and be the same side? Yeah, and now when you look at their losses, though, as well, I don't really see any of those guys as a real loss. Look at these guys like Luke McDougal, uh, Bryson Goodwin, David Stagg, Michael Lett, you know, Jonathan Wright. I don't see any of those guys. You know, they're, they're not really There's a no loss. Hu- There's no huge holes left there. Yeah. The biggest hole is obviously Ben Barber um, being stood down by the club indefinitely. Um, how much will his woes impact their starts of the season? Um, will they be in too big of a hole come origin time, which will then present more problems when other players are selected for the rep squads? Um, I just... You see sometimes teams make it to the summit as, as the Bulldogs did last year. They didn't take that final step and win it all, but um, they had a great year. They took some major leaps. Um, but sometimes you see teams get to that point just before they fall back a peg. Yep. Um, I don't think the Dogs will be that team in 2013 if Ben Barber plays more than 12 games. Um, if he plays any less than that, I think they're just that's a massive part of the way that side plays. Um that's taken away from them and it's it's a big ask it's a big ask they're well coached um but they do play you know a style that is is very skill based um and at the moment there's no more skillful player in the game than Ben Barber uh, so that's a huge hole for them um one last point uh Josh Reynolds I think he's prime candidate to get a touch of the Daniel Mortimers yeah yeah, he's he's just not the most naturally gifted player. He gets it's a lot of hustle, um, and I just think that probably is a bit easier for opposition defences to to account for, um, and and they probably know more of what they're going to get, so they can tailor their game plan around it. So, you know, I think he's a great player, and I I, I really enjoyed watching him come on last season. I just got a, a sneaky feeling that it, second year might knock him around a bit. But I still have the dogs finishing second. I've got them finishing fourth, and you know they could possibly go top two. But you know, at this stage, it's just such an X factor. Like, how long is Barber out? And you know, if he's, you know, we've heard all sorts of, you know, 
potential, you know, timings from, you know, six weeks to six months. Yeah. So if it's six months, that's it, their season gone. Which is an indication that no one fucking knows. Yeah, exactly. If it's six weeks, though, if he misses the first six rounds, then, you know, they should be... I mean, the statistics, you know, that you, that, that we've seen banding about since, um, you know, the whole barber thing's gone down is, you know, they are in very, very, very bad position without barber in the side. Uh, and, you know, putting someone someone like... Uh, was it, is it Turner, I believe, that they're going to put in the fullback? Yeah. You know, not even in the same fucking ballpark, let alone, you know... No, he's a solid first grader. He's, he's even, even played a bit sport. of origin on the wing, but... Yeah, yeah. So, look, fourth for the Bulldogs. I mean, they might have a bit of a dip anyway because how does this barber thing affect them as a club? You know, regardless of the fact of just removing his talent from the side, how does it affect them, you know, psychologically otherwise? Um, you know, you'd think that Hazlitt would be over, you know, all over that, but, you know... I don't think so. So let's just say fourth. Fourth is going to be safe. Wouldn't surprise me if they finish higher if they have a lot of barber in the season. But I think fourth is probably a pretty safe uh, bet. So, wrong. What they finish? Sixth. 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 So I had fourth. So yeah, this yeah, and what year? Second. Second. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Obviously, that barber thing did destabilise them a bit more. I mean, at the time we were talking about it, it was unspecified problems, and like Greenberg mm. was like, "Oh, you know, it's not like." you know, domestic violence and, you know, I'm not going to say what it is. And, you know, then it was like the whole EBC and, you know, it became a gambling and a drinking thing. Um, he came back a lot sooner than we thought. It had a, a very destabilising effect on the club. And in hindsight, they did well to finish sixth. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the Tigers' troubles, you know, Sheens and some of the other issues and, and where they've finished in the last yeah, couple of seasons. Yeah. And you guys this year, I mean, you know, you got rid of Sheens, so you didn't really have any troubles. Until he decided, you know, Benji, well, Benji had his shit that he wanted to do towards the end. Of yeah, it was, it. I mean, oh, the season well, was gone before he started Benji, acting up. Benji was, um, he was benched relatively early in the season. Yeah. And, um, and that was the end of that. Didn't do a bit of good for him either. No. <laughs> well, it no. fucked him off the door, so I mean, West Tigers are a better team for it. Exactly. But, uh, but so yeah, it's, back, it's probably back set the up that, you know, the dynasty I've been talking about for four seasons will probably come about now. Or and, what do you want to do? And, you know, and then with the doggies, there was, uh, yeah, we were both missing, so. Yeah, no good. Again, this is probably our, our slimmest pickings of any season we've done yeah. the show. No, this will no doubt be the last season of this show because we've got no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> that is full time for episode 143. As always, you can interact with us on Twitter, so follow at TWI League, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash This Week in League. Some of the feedback we got back was that um, we obviously prefer Twitter, and uh, yeah, that's an observation from, from people who uh, you know gave us their feedback, and they'd like to see more stuff on Facebook, so uh, we'll have to work towards that, obviously, and uh, we'll go through all that feedback that came in after, you know, in the latter parts of the uh, the Twillies voting. Um, there was some good feedback in there that I can't recall off the top of my head right now, but um yeah, we'll uh, go over to the drawing board and uh, see what we can incorporate and, and you know what we want. It's been a good uh, year. We've you know we've put out some new merchandise. Um, there's there's a view to put some more out yeah, again. More to come, yeah. Um, the live show was a, was a off the an off the cuff sort of thing, and and it's, it's yeah. Been we probably a, only made the decision like the day before. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's it was a resounding success, and there'll be more of that to come next season. So there's a lot of good initiatives. Um, that'll go through in the next year and uh, you know it's been a good year there's been a lot of good feedback a lot of new listeners yep um a lot of big listeners too that you know guys that you know get on facebook and get and on Twitter really, like every yeah, week yeah the know, interaction but, level yeah. is high and um which is great it's it's all part of the community that we're building and and um 
you know, it's great fun. Every game, there's, there's more and more people joining joining in the fun, joining in the talk, and um, and that reflects in the numbers of the show. So we thank each and every one of you for listening in every week, and uh, it, it's a hell of a ride every season. It's it's tough at times, um, but it's, it's worth it when you see that feedback and, and people's appreciation for what we're doing. Exactly. I got I got absolutely nothing to add actually um, to that. That was you said everything that I would have said. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for a great season twenty thirteen, and uh, yeah, look forward to twenty fourteen, and uh, that's it. Go to the shop. Go to the website. Go to the shop. Clean this I'll miss you <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Hang on. How did we get here? The line between between news facts. And, and your your personal fantasies it's, <laughs> it's just, very it's, blurred it's become extremely blurred and uh and 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 disturbing over the course of the maybe year maybe we should delete that out yeah you've gone latent latent to blatant to <laughs> fucking disturbed in you know in the space of you know about 30 episodes of the show so um unbelievable fantastic stuff great fun year uh go to the shop buy some stuff clean us out of the revelation shirts uh clean us out of tigers in decline gotta get this undefeated shirt out before Christmas and uh so I expect to see something over the coming weeks there and um who knows? Much, much more. Uh, see you next year. See you next year. Merry Christmas because, well, let's face it, we're not going <laughs> to talk to you before then. You know, but, uh, decorations don't... have been in the shops for a month, so it's not like we're the earliest. Don't be shy to uh, send us your gifts. Exactly. Uh, preferably ones that aren't. Nude photos of trotters. <laughs> or, or, or made of you know, human shit in paper bags. <laughs> <laughs> All lit up. <laughs> That'll do us. On my, on my doorstep. And Clint's okay. we're done. And we're done. See you next year. Close your eyes.